This week on Invasion of the Podcast, a trio of secret stories. We talk about 2015's Tomorrowland today, and I have a quiz about movie food tie-ins. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. My name is Paul, and I'm joined tonight by the secret cadre that I have, my um, uh, Plus Ultra members that we that all influence the, the world as we now know it. I have I have Jeff from Skewed Universe Podcast and uh, the Tales from the Podcast Podcast. Podcast. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, and then we have uh, the El Goro, the it is all things movies and wrestling, and um, probably just random heroics uh, of the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. Hey guys, I'm feeling really good because once again, Blake's Hard Cider started releasing their Black Phillip cider again, so I'm living deliciously tonight. Nice. Um, and I am joined by my uh, other podcast husband uh, Terry from Strange Highways, who is the master of uh, I don't what. Um, Things. Terry, what are you a master of? Uh, Pokemon. <laughs> I'm a Pokemon master, okay? Uh, and thank you for sending my pin. I got it today. We're ready to go. Perfect. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, oh, no, your pin. No, for the movie. I picked up my pin. Oh, I, I was up like, we're in Wisconsin. I'm very disappointed. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're like, you said the pin. I'm like, what are you talking Oh, yeah, that goddamn movie we were going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> See, wow, I, I got uh, mine and I didn't go anywhere. It just kept me here. Yeah. I'm like, just, yeah, but I'm still at home. Well, you're already in California. What do you want? <laughs> Uh, yeah i'd like to get out of california what's better though like seeing lots of corn like supposedly ohio has so much of supposedly like that's the only supposedly like i love that joke that's like what's in ohio corn like no no (laughs) no go to iowa there you have a lot of corn we have some corn, but where we live, it's mostly just rusted cars, trees, and, and seasonal depression. Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of like, oh, I didn't know my neighbor had that flag in their yard. That's a oh, lot of Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of that. Oh, and meth, meth heads. Meth, Lots of yes. Meth heads. <laughs> I, was, um, I was picking up uh, a prescription at a, a, um, like a CVS the other day, and I was wearing my um, uh, Poyos Armanos shirt just and the the lady one of the the text behind the counter was like ah breaking bad nice and then i paused for a second and i was like i don't know if this is the right shirt to wear to a pharmacy you know <laughs> i was just like yeah i'm getting my prescription filled do you have meth that would be really great right now I'd appreciate oh you it. know all those pharmacists you know they they fantasize about becoming walter white you know uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and we we in California we have our fair share of meth heads and whatever else they can get their hands on. No, yeah. so it's it's the all American drug. That's the yes, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of paper bags with shit in them. So yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a thing too. <laughs> so so yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. Jeff a lot please. of weed smokers too, but you know that's that's fine. It's it's the harder stuff that really causes the problems. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the, the family fun, fun film Tomorrowland uh, from Disney tonight on the show. Uh, and then also we have a game involving uh, movie food tie-ins that is really silly and and whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I was going to say, and as, as we do here on the show, is that we normally have like, you know, 20 minutes of a mindless chit-chat and then another two hours and 40 minutes of mindless chit-chat. Uh, has anybody been getting anything recently that you want to talk about? Like that you watched that, um, uh, that you've been getting into anybody who wants well, to, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'll take the helm here. Uh, I've been watching a lot of twilight zone. <laughs> so. Why Terry? Um, why would you do you know, that? Because of our podcast, obviously oh, uh, okay. a lot of twilight zone. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, outside of that. It, uh, it's really just been like a, a lot of catching up on Joe Bob. Like Joe Bob Briggs and um, everything that he does on Shutter, uh, there are a lot of films that I haven't watched as far as like the things that he covered and like when he was covering them. I watched Grizzly last night, and I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna watch all of this right before I go to sleep and not have vivid, vivid dreams. I did, anyways. So, <laughs> so had, had you seen Grizzly before or no? I, I definitely have. Yeah, <laughs> it is like I was gonna say I, Paul would have failed you as a friend. If yeah, pretty much. Seen Grizzly before yeah. this, <laughs> homie. Uh, that is a film that like I grew up on watching. Like that is just like my grandfather uh, was such a weird son of a bitch. He's like, he's like, look, kid, you gotta watch this movie. I think it, <laughs> I think it was actually on Big Chuck and Little John, which is um something that's like a Cleveland staple here in like you know in the eighties and nineties. Well, it's, I say eighties and nineties, but I wasn't during. I wasn't around for the seventies, but it was still there in the seventies as well. But they would show a lot of like kind of drive in stuff that really shouldn't have been shown on, uh, you know, just public access and that. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I believe I saw it originally on big Chuck and little John. Nice. I love that movie. I know I, I could, I, I, <laughs> it's I, so I could, fun, dude. Yeah. I, I, I really want to cover some more, um, like, you know, like your Earth Day thing is still kind of a thing for you, Paul, right? Like you still want to like yeah. watch that at your no, house. Like, like I, I think I think um like I know El Goro, you do a lot of like theming around holidays, yep. but I think did I inspire you to do like the animal attack films on Earth Day or was that something? I don't remember if I was doing that before, but I def it definitely became a regular a more regular thing after uh, you had your Earth Day party. Yeah, because we did we did that, and I think um, uh, we well we also watched uh, Roar. I thought we were going we, to. There was a third one there that too. I forget. There is that a well. Yeah. yeah, we did like, Grizzly. We did Roar, and there was a third. But I, I think it, what it was. I always want to say it was Razorback, but that's not right. There was a third no. movie. You know, yeah, I forget what it was, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so, hell, I'm the odd man out here because I haven't seen Grizzly, and apparently, oh. I'm not celebrating earth day correctly i just well, think it's fun the just, idea yeah. jeff is that uh, earth day is the day for animal attack films so yes. if you need a list of, of good ones paul will tell you grizzly i will say the superior film is day of the animal <laughs> yeah that means, i've not seen day of the animal yet yeah so day of the animals is, is it's, that, it's good it's good it's just it's no grizzly so that's <laughs> <laughs> look in grizzly you get a grizzly in day of the animals you get all of the animals and a shirtless leslie nielsen that's true. Yeah, fighting a bear. But you also have a rocket launcher uh, uh, in Grizzly. Uh, right, wait. Uh, yeah, that's all I'm to say. Like, you know, then, and, um, yeah. And then also. Okay, well, yeah. in Day of the Animals, you got the guy who voiced Mr. Freeze playing an Indian. Well, yes. I mean, because that was 
uh, culturally appropriate. So I um, mean, <laughs> well, in, ter- in terms of cultural appropriation or uh, culturally insensitive casting, the fact that they got a, l- I think he's Libyan, a Libyan gentleman to play an Indian is better than an Italian. That's, I don't that's know why true, it's yeah. better, but it just is. I, think- I, I just love the idea that like Earth Day and like that kind of marathon can go so far. Like, like I imagine watching them. I imagine watching Squirm. Like, I just want, I want to watch all, like, even the bug films. The bug films need to be involved in that as well. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good calls there. So, yeah, I'd say yeah. next Earth Day, just watch Animal Attack film. Like, I am going to get to Razorback. I, I've owned this Blu-ray for, like, I've seen it before. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I, I always keep meaning to watch Razorback on Earth Day. I don't get to it. Yeah, the, the warning I give you is if you've never seen Razorback, it's not what you're expecting. Just go in with the understanding that the guy who directed it also directed Highlander and also directed a bunch of music videos. Yeah, it's it's great, but it's its own thing. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I love David Fincher. Like, I mean, like if it's <laughs> he loves doing music videos. Still, I think I just so, like th- that's the best way I can say it because I went into Razorback expecting it's like oh this is going to be a fun Australian uh, you know animal attack movie. One outback freakout session later, I'm like oh yeah this is the guy who directed Highlander. <laughs> so so Jeff, there you go. Oh, a lot of recommendations for uh, Earth Day. Uh, so. Uh, is there anything, now I can be yeah. part of the club. There you go. There uh, you go. <laughs> is there anything you've been getting into recently? Me? Yeah. Uh, well, aside from just going on Pluto TV and watching a bunch of Beavis and Butthead because... Hell yeah. It, <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm 44 and I still have the sense of humor of a juvenile. Uh, I've been watching... I'm diving back into the Leprechaun series for Tales from the Podcast, but I'll talk more <laughs> about that later. But I uh, recently watched... Neighbors from 2014 That's with Seth one. Rogen and Zac Efron. That's a fun movie. Way, yeah. way better than I expected. Because I figured, okay, it's going to be, you know, typical comedy. It's got Seth Rogen. I'll check it out eventually. My wife watched it and was like, you should check this out. So I watched it immediately after she did. Because I was doing, I think I was recording another podcast at the time. And yeah, I I laughed so hard. It's way better than it has any right to be. And, and Ro- was it Rose Byrne? She's great in that yeah. too. Like uh, you actually find out like, Oh, she actually has comedic chops. Um, yeah. And isn't there a gag I, involving an airbag, like um, an airbag firing <laughs> off too. If I remember, there's a gag involving multiple airbags. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. There's some real shenanigans going on in that film. I'm finding myself to be a, a lot more of a, uh, Zach Afron fan than I thought I ever would have been. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, the dude is putting in some work, man. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't wait to see it. What is Iron Claw? Yeah. Yeah. I Phenomenal. Saw that in the theater. Phenomenal. Yeah. I'm yeah. still like, I was talking to Paul about it the other day and it's like, he really enjoyed it as well. And I'm like, this dude is like, he's something else, man. Like you don't really get to see these guys put the work in as much as like somebody like him or like, you know, Christian Bale and that. It's like he really wants to be that upper echelon actor now. Well, and it's like, taking from like I you commend know, him, like Disney roots, right, or whatever, something like you know, te- like Teen Heartthrob, something like it's High School Musical. That's what he came from. So it's, it's always yeah, good yeah. to see a child actor that came through the Disney system not yeah. go down a dark path because there's been so many that we've all seen. Well, when you see someone like him, like he was in Seventeen and Again, I think it was called mm-hmm. or whatever. But mm-hmm. like his comedic timing is there as well. Like he's he, like, even at a young age, like he really is showing promise. So yeah. like, watch some of that uh, earlier stuff. Like he's still there. Like he like 
he's like ready to like jump to the next stage. Well, yeah, yeah. check out the Iron Claw and you'll see that he's doing a pretty good job. Like that movie isn't I perfect, did. but goddamn, is it is it good? Yeah, yeah. it is. It I is. don't know if anybody else has seen it. I'll I'll just throw it out there. Knock at the cabin. No, I haven't seen that one Not yet. yet. No, I, I I ended up seeing it um, because uh, you know we were trying to crush a lot of stuff for um, the end of year uh, episode for mm-hmm. for this for you know invasion, and I I, I it's okay. It, it's okay. I, I just think that's that that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I I think there are some interesting things going on. It. I think Dave Dave Batista is a a good actor. I just think that like people are just blowing him up like for this like like he should have won an award for it. I'm like he was so dry and like you know I don't know. It just did it didn't feel it like it was like a paint by numbers kind of thing for me. I think he was the best in this movie aside mm-hmm. from the young girl, mm. but I don't think it's the best work Batista has done. It's, mm. it's very solid work. Yeah. But I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049 for that matter. I haven't seen the original Blade Runner. I know. Come for oh, me. Bud. What? <laughs> I don't know which version to actually watch. There's like a million of them. Paul, the final okay. call. Yeah, the just, final, just the final cut of Blade <laughs> yeah. Runner, then watch Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, but okay. then just understand that Batista's like not in the movie very – like he's in the very beginning he's of the movie. In the opening. Yeah. Right. He's in but like from, a 15-minute scene. Which is great. But from what I've heard is people go, that's what you should look at as a wrestler turned actor who's actually doing the acting part, not just showing up like I'm kind of acting like myself, but I'm in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, mm. like I, from what I've seen, I put him leagues above Dwayne Johnson and especially John Cena. Although John Cena is funny, well, I'm just not a huge John Cena oh, fan. Really, Peacemaker yeah. is fine. Yeah, well, from what I've seen yeah. in the series, is great. But if nothing else, Batista is is more willing to take risks these days than um, than Dwayne Johnson. That Dwayne has been playing it very very safe. The last yeah. couple of years, and as such, a lot of his bo- movies have been pretty boring because they've all been very, very safe. Yeah. Whereas Batista just will show up in things and put on a damn good. I mean, Glass Onion. Like, I could you imagine The that, Rock yeah. doing Glass Onion these days? No, I still, I still need to no. watch that. I, I, I fell on my. I need to watch both. Game. I need to watch both those. Oh, they're great. So, they're, they're so good. So, Jeff, what you're but saying was, is, outside of the Leprechaun series, you've never seen movies, is what you're saying. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I I watch his barometer. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know. Is it is it Leprechaun space quality? I don't know. Maybe we'll just see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No, I, I I've been <laughs> now I'm diving into Giallo also for Skewered Universe because oh, nice. we do January is for Giallo over there. So nice. I've only done one, which was a Blade in the Dark. Which if you want to know what I thought, go listen to the show. There you go. Nice. But what else yeah, you have uh, lined up? Uh, I'm hoping to do, which I know it's probably not technically Giallo, but maybe like Phenomenon or Phenomena. Oh, I love. That is my favorite Argento. Oh, my God. That is such an incredible film, but it is so batshit crazy. That's That's why I love it so much. It's (laughs) it's completely insane. If you like like chimps, yes. (laughs) Chimps and uh, the use of Iron Maiden during uh, stalk and slash scenes. Yeah, really obscure music usage there it's like what what why (laughs) it's because uh, he looked no further than the than the title of the song which was flash of the blade it's like oh we'll we'll use this during a switchblade scene it's like it's about fencing dario (laughs) the song is about uh, whatever 
so I, I don't know if we're going to get through the others, but I've got Phenomena. I'm hoping to get to the bird with the crystal plumage and possibly mm-hmm. Blood and Black Lace. That's but cool. my wife, Leanne, is also thinking about picking one out from either Shudder or Screambox because they've got a huge selection of Giallo there. I don't know so if it it's may change, on any of those but, services, but uh, one of the things you should dig into is the uh, j- the Jolly with incredibly stupid long titles. Uh, one of my favorites is, uh, what is it? Your Lust is a Locked Door and Only I Have the Key. I think I have that in one of my lists on the streaming go. services. It, it, yeah. <laughs> the longer the title, the more interested I get. Yeah. It, 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 isn't it like pretty well known that you're not so much of a, a fan of Jalos? It's uh, true. It's true. I'm, I I do not consider uh, myself to be a huge fan of the particular movement, but there's still plenty of films that I've enjoyed that are in yeah. it. It's just I would never call myself a Jalo fan. So Jeff, uh, take that as a, a, a stamp of approval. If, uh, <laughs> if El Goro is able to say like he likes these ones, like I mean the dude knows his shit, you know? Oh yeah, I've, please if. If Goro is is recommending it, I seek it out. If he's like, you know, if you want to go ahead, I'm like, okay, so I can watch it whenever. There you go. Yeah, yeah. as far as Giallo, I I'm doing this because I'm very limited in what I know about the genre, so I want to mm-hmm. watch as much as I can. And I figure, yeah. I think kicking off the, the new year that same way. That's smart. Yeah. Super smart. Watch a few at the beginning of the year. Don't overburden myself. You know. And then just see what it has. And also try to find ones that not everyone else who's done Giallo stuff has talked about. Sure. Or ones that at least have been a few years since somebody has talked about it. Like last year when I did Black Belly of the Tarantula. Mm -hmm. And that one I had heard about years ago on, I think it was Scream Queens. (laughs) I still remember Patrick singing to that that movie. Yeah, you actually referenced that in a post when I talked about it. Right. (laughs) It is forever ingrained. I was like, that's why this name sounded so familiar. Yeah, for for additional context, Jeff and I both come out came out of the uh, drunken zombie school of podcasting. Uh, that's how we met each other, and it's <laughs> it's it's no doubt influenced us. So the exp- the expanded part of it. Most of those shows don't exist, but Scream Queens is still going on. Yes, and uh, <clears throat> and the Algora, what are you getting into? Um, you know what I do. I, I I've been watching a lot of movies. A lot of them have been uh, t- towards uh, my continued efforts to knock out all the unwatched films in my physical libraries. I've been watching a lot of Sonny Chiba films, a lot of Jackie Chan movies. Uh, in terms of television and kind of more contemporary stuff, I've really been into the new season, uh, the revival of True Detective, which in this case, it no longer has the original creative that they've brought in somebody new on this one. And have you uh, have you guys uh, watched uh, True Detective? I saw the first I've season. W- yeah, I've watched a bit of the first season, um, and then I turned it off because I knew that it was something that my wife would have been interested in as well. So, like, I'm, like, just trying to carve out time so we can both watch it together. So I'm, like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. I'm, like, this is compelling stuff. I'm, like, and it's not, like, super gory. I'm, like, my wife needs to watch us. Yeah. So I still need to get to it. I am a, I'm a tremendous, tremendous fan of the first season of True Detective. I've seen that season probably around four times that it'll just be one of those, hey, I'm in the mood for this, and I'll go back and re-watch uh, season one of True Detective. Season two and season three, they were okay, but they were decidedly a letdown after the highs of season one. 
I can say definitively that season four, and the thing is, if you're not familiar with the format, it's an anthology uh, series, so each season is its own self-contained story. Season four is the best season of True Detective since season one. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, the primary creator behind it is uh, Issa Lopez, who uh, also directed the film Tigers Are Not Afraid, which Joe Bob covered. So if you've been following that, um, it's an excellent, excellent film. Uh, it has uh, Jodie Foster in it. Um, who else is uh, What was her name? Uh, Callie, Callie Reese, who is a boxer turned uh, actress. It's just a really, really solid show so far and it's set up in alaska and it's actually going into what either could be explicitly supernatural territory because the thing with uh, the best thing about the first season of true detective is there was this lingering question of how much of it was actually supernatural how much of it was just crazy people and there was that kind of interplay of not really knowing one way or the other this season seems to be going down that line as well. It could be full-on supernatural. It could be territory similar to Larry Fessenden's Last Winter. It just comes with very, very high recommendations. I've really been loving this show so far. Awesome. I'm glad that it's continuing because um, it, this is something that's like there's such a big playground mm -hmm. that, like you know romping. It's like it's like all we need is a, a good storyline. And it's like we don't necessarily necessarily need to like con like you know connect this to a title, but the fact that True Detective is still doing this and has a budget that they're carving out for them, like I'm I'm all for it, man. Like I, like, yeah. and they're getting great actors too. I mean, mm -hmm. like, well, and I think that's God part of the, the part of the appeal is that these people are like I that they understand that prestige television is in a lot of ways taking up. Uh, more sp space than movies now. So like if they can yep. be committed to one season uh, and then, you know, get, get that in. Right. Cause I mean, who'd have thought Jodie Foster would do it like a quote unquote TV show. Right. Yeah. Like, so, um, so that makes sense for, cause it's then like they, they have a, it's not, it's not a commitment past that point. I mean, who knows things could change, but yeah, that's, I know like stuff like the white Lotus and things like that to draw all these people because they know they can only, they, they can be there for a season and get their flowers and get out. Yep. And I, I like the idea. I mean, I don't watch a lot of television because especially some of the older shows, it feels like a big lift. The idea that and I know that the, the, <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a show I really like. Too bad there's like five season and 50 episodes of it. That's way too many things of a thing I like. <laughs> but it's still it's it's the self-contained nature of it. The, the idea that this season's only going to be about six episodes long. The previous ones were I think were only eight to ten episodes. Mm -hmm. And it was pitch. It was usually paced, particularly the first season, paced well enough that it just really, really works. And it is this kind of self-contained little thing that can bring in this kind of talent. So yeah, I, I really love uh, the series as a whole, and I've been really, really loving this season. Nice. At the very least, I hope that the cinematography is like at the same like point as the first season because like yeah. when I stopped watching, it was like episode. Four, and I'm just like I'm just so compelled by just the cinematography and like how they can have like such a scope and then like it's I, I mean it's just it's so wonderful and so rich mm -hmm. awesome. sorry about that okay so um all right uh so that you had me at that saying tigers are not afraid because I watched that last year and good movie <laughs> I yeah. love that movie yep it is depressing <laughs> as hell oh I'm in then 
But <laughs> it is it is so beautifully done that I'm on I'm on board to check out this season of True Detective. And I like that it's anthology, so nothing ties in from previous, so I can jump into this one and then go back to one. Yep. It, Though, having, said, having said that, there is there are have been little bits in the dialogue that suggest a connection to previous Ooh. things that have happened, but that's just okay. for the super geek. It's it's entirely possible it was unintended. I have a feeling it was intended, but it's you don't have to have seen one season in order to get the other one. They are standalone. Nice, perfect. So um, I'll I'll uh, jump in here and just mention a couple things real quick. Uh, I watched um, Echo. Uh, that's, that's solid. If, if you guys have not gotten to that yet, it's only five episodes and the, the longest ones. Did like, you finish it off? Yeah, I finished it in one day. Like it was like the, the, the longest episode was like maybe 50 minutes. Um, and that was the first hmm. one. Cause it was basically catching you back up. Well, it, it was doing a, a parallel between, um, the, like some of the events of Hawkeye with mm-hmm. her. And it's like, you don't have to have seen Hawkeye because they do a good job of like uh, bringing it in together. <clears throat> and then after that, yeah, it just, it just kind of cruises and it's fine. Like I would have wanted a little bit more, but considering this is like the first R rated Disney, um, you know, Marvel show, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, great. And there's, uh, there is, um, one, one fight sequence. I'm not going to say what it is that is really, really cool. Um, so if people, it's, it's supposedly they call it a spotlight series. I mean, you can watch it without context of other Marvel series, I would say cool. that's that's true, but not really. Like, I mean, you could watch this as a complete story, right? But like, when you're bringing in the kingpin, you're like, oh, well, maybe we, you know, it's a little. There's a little bit more um, gravitas with his character. You know what I mean? You're like, there's there's a, a much more uh, longer shadow with that character that I think some people they would be robbing themselves of not seeing some of the other stuff before this. Uh, but mm-hmm. it also the very end at the, the end teaser is hinting at something really cool that um, if they go through with it, I, I like the, what they could potentially do with the, this, this uh, future outcome. So it's a solid show. Nice. Uh, yeah. Easy watch. Nice. And then also this is for you, El Goro. I recently got a, a three movie box set. That was a um, uh, mafioso, maf- whatever Italian mafia set with uh, Franco Nero. Um, oh, beauty. And the, the three movies I watched, and you want to talk about n- names. These aren't as long, but of course, they're just always weird. Uh, what was it? Um, oh, where is it at here? Godzilla minus one. No, that's not the name of it. Uh, the, day, <laughs> the, the Day of the Owl. Uh, the case is closed. Forget it. I just want to say forget about it, but that's not the name of the movie. <laughs> and then the one I wanted to mention to you specifically was um, uh, How to Kill a Judge. Um, it's from 75. It is, um, it's, it's, it's very new and noirish. It's well, as much as these like type of like, um, police, Yatechi mafioso films can be, mm-hmm. but I think you would dig it because, um, Nero plays a filmmaker that released a movie that was based upon, uh, the events of a crooked case and, 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 uh, implicating that the judge was crooked and he, you know, he changed the names, but everyone knew who he was talking about. And in the movie, that he makes the judge gets killed. And so people are in uproar of like him potentially inciting violence. And, um, something happens where that judge ends up getting killed. Uh, and so it becomes like, he gets, um, like kind of drawn in because well, one, he wants to know what's going on because that was, you know, his, his point of view, he wasn't trying to incite violence, but you see him also, 
people now reacting more and going to the, the to watch this movie more now. And then there's also like a police investigation and he's dealing with the widow of the judge and just the way, like it takes its time getting there. Cause it's a very, like a, a very, very dialogue heavy, which is funny because it's, it's dubbed, but in half meaning like they will kick from English to Italian in the same scene. And then huh. they'll suddenly have subtitles so I think it, I think they're trying to try to split the middle and get like a wider distribution with it. Um, that's just my guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, either either that or maybe they had to splice together um, in terms of like the HD upgrade because if it was on Blu-ray or DVD, maybe they had to. Um, the best available elements were kind of a mix between the English dub and the Italian because from what I've heard, and I'm by no means I'm an expert, they generally. Did just released, you know, single tracks, you know, they would, it would just be, this is the one that's going out to English speaking territories. This is the one that's going out to German speaking territories, Italian, what have you. But I have heard of different uh, movie companies when they do restore these films, they will sometimes mix and match depending upon what the best available sound source is. And maybe that's the case. I, there's some special features that I had to dig into cause it's um, a very, it's a very cool set, but the, also the director is a, uh, is it Damiano uh, da, Niamini? I just, I great because it's Italian and I can't speak it good. Um, he directed Amityville 2. Um, uh, so, okay. uh, and Nero described him as the most American, so the, the most American Italian director he's worked with. And so nice. he had like kind of a, cause he has a kind of a more of American, uh, main, like, um, sensibilities making films. And, uh, but I think that I'm just mentioning it to you because I know you're like always on the hunt for more, uh, noir. And okay. this one's, you know, I, you and I could talk about it at some other point. Like it, does it go as like dark as some other stuff? No, but it gets that like twisting, like unsure footing. And there is more and more adding, like, you know, there is that darkness creeping in. So I think that I just think, I think you would really like this movie a great deal. So I wanted to recommend that to you. So, so who put out the, the sets of oh, these three shit. films? Um, yeah, that's a good question. It's a, it's a company that they're newer and I just, um, oh, it was right in front of me. Uh, look at me doing this in real time. Um, uh, how to kill a judge. I'm going to type that into Google. That's going to go well, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are on any list, you are now. Yeah, I, I will say, like, to kind of piggyback off that, um, there are so many companies that are coming out now restoring footage of films and that. It's like, man, sure. just imagine if we had this shit, like, 30 years ago. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, like, some of us like probably still collect VHS because that's the only thing that there was, you know, like I, like there are certain, I, I still have some VHS because that's the only copy of it. Like there's, there's no boutique company coming in and being like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put that out there because <laughs> no one wants to restore it. And so like, we're at that juncture now where it's like certain films are going to be lost unless somebody keeps a hold of that physical copy mm -hmm. that like VHS or, you know, beta max, you know, mm -hmm. or the people right. that just digitize it and make it available to download online. I know. You know well, like cause <laughs> some of us, uh, uh, pinky to our lip, uh, <laughs> 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 which, you know, there's, there's pushback against that, but it's, it's undeniable that there is an archival quality to dedicated pirates. The people that p rip these things and then put them up online. You know, and sometimes that can actually get buzz going for certain movies. There are certainly some <laughs> films, and I won't name names, but I'm aware of through conversations with people that 
because they got a, the film got a buzz in the pirate scene, it, that led cer- certain uh, boutique labels to actually go through and then go and restore them and put yeah. them out there. So, yeah, there is something to be said about the archival nature of piracy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I mean, I, look yeah. at what happened to something like Monster Squad at all yeah. the conventions and stuff. It was yeah. bootlegged on VHS for so many years because it got forgotten. And then word of mouth, they're like, let's release it on DVD finally. Perfect example. So the the box set's called Cosa Nostra, uh, Franco Nero and Three Mafia Tales by uh, the, the director I just mentioned. It's by uh, Radiance. Uh, okay, so their um, label I've not heard of. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great little box set. It comes with like uh, it came with like a book too, um, and like the special features were actually I, I looked at, I got through all the special features for Day of the Owl, uh, and they were all like um, a lot of the interviews even with Nero were were new for these movies. Mm. Um, so they like, it just you know it it looks like they they're, they've done a good job. So, uh, but yeah, how to kill a judge, uh, is it, yeah, I think it, all three of those movies I know you'd like, but that one seems more like right up your alley. So I just wanted to, yeah, that that this, this does seem up my alley. Thank you for that. I'll, yeah. I'll have to look into this. Yeah. So, cause I'm sure you're trying to p- cook something together for November already. So oh, I've not even started thinking about moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you need more things to put on yeah, your you, plate you, you, there. Well, no, you, have your, you have your 28 days of Valentine's movies coming up. I know. So, like, uh, Look, well, I was going to do 28 days of, of uh, black history, but you know, that, that seems like it's, <laughs> it's, it's so messed up. They made black history month, the shortest month of the year. Yeah. Well, you get an extra day this year, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, all right. That, there yeah, you go. I look at what you do in November and I'm like, all I do is Nick Cage movies for my podcast. So that's no, that, <laughs> I've got an no easy, shame I've got that. an easy convert. No, I've seriously I, considered I watching, uh, doing a chronological re uh, watch of the entire career of Nick Cage this year, because you know what? More and more I'm coming around to him being a genius. <laughs> yes. I have an unabashed yeah. love for Nick Cage. I, I will wear it on my sleeve. I love stuff like Con Air, but then I also love like Vampire's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Which we did because you do Noir November, I do Nick Cage November, so it's two ends of a totally different spectrum. There you go. But, and, but, but then you have. I, to, I could not well, do what you do for November, and I admire you, that. Yeah, and I appreciate it, uh, all you do. All, for all you need to all you need to do is watch. Um, oh hell, hell! There was a movie he did with Eric Stoltz, where I think it was Eric Stoltz, where he was like a bad guy. Um, what was the name of that dang movie? Um, I can hear your brain working right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you can hear you can hear my you hear my keyboard working. <laughs> it wasn't fast so. fast times. There was an I don't know. Anyway, anyway, but do find that movie, the one that I'm vaguely remembering, and then pair it up with uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, uh, New Orleans from Herzog, and th- those are noir films. And boom, you got yourself a Nick Cage noir. There you go. Or just even do like eight oh, millimeter oh. if you want something that gets. Yeah. You, know, uh, you all yeah. got oh. love. Oh, love. yeah, there you go. That's a feel and, good and movie, it, right? Yeah. So, uh, Renfield, Renfield is like, uh, something that I watched more recently and it's like, dude, the guy is still, it's like, he knows his, his lane and it's like, mm-hmm. but he, he goes above and beyond sometimes to where you're like, Oh my God, he's still like, he's still like an actor. <laughs> it's like, he's not just like dialing it in. I, I loved Renfield cause it was so just over the top, like mm-hmm. Nick Cage, just kind of being crazy Nick Cage at times. But I will say, if nobody's seen it, I recommend Pig. Oh, Pig's wonderful. Yeah. I love I, Pig. I still have to it's, see that. Oh, Ooh. so um, before I forget, and we're gonna, we'll get to news in a second, I was like, yeah, you know, I just mentioned, mentioned 8mm, and I wanted to remember that the guy that plays Frank's dad in the flashback, the beginning of the film, was Machine in 8mm. Yep. So there you yep. go. 
uh, that's that's your eight millimeter connection with Tomorrowland. Uh, so, all right. Uh, the, movie, the movie I was trying to remember, it didn't have Eric Stoltz in it. It had David Caruso, and it was 1995's Kiss of Death. So there right. you okay. go. There's I've my Nick the name, Cage Noir okay. recommendation. All right. So okay. Um, look at that. look at this. We successfully navigated all the idle chit chat, or not idle chit chat. We have a lot of good recommendations. So, are you guys ready for some news? Do it. All right. Yeah. everyone so i decided to go with just three silly secret stories that i normally would pull up um like nothing crazy in the industry for, for the first one is for you terry and i'll explain why in a second it, it just says love stinks a rhode island shelter will have cats poop on your ex's name so um <laughs> I'll explain, I'll explain why in a second. Uh, a Rhode Island animal shelter is offering jilted lovers next friends the opportunity to have the target of their scorn's name buried in kitty litter for Valentine's Day. The Rhode Island Society for the uh, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals said that its Love Stinks promotion will allow members of the public to get some sweet and stinky revenge at a time of year most known for celebrating love. For a $5 donation, we will write the name of an ex-lover, friend, or even something you wish to bury in a litter box uh, uh, for our shelter cats to poop all over. Um, and then they said, how's that for stinky retropution? I don't like that word. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so it runs through Valentine's day. The reason I bring this up is because what was it a week or so ago? Terry's over at, at my house because the, uh, our wives are having their book club meeting and we're, he and I were just talking in the kitchen and, and one of our cats, the, the, the smallest like, of the cats. I like how you put it out there. Like they're the sophisticated ones. Yeah, like, no, we're, oh, yeah, 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 they're the ones that read them books. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we were in the kitchen being cavemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, well, well we know. were cooking meat yeah it's true it. yeah uh so uh, but one of the cats came in and just you know used the litter box and terry was just like you would have thought like um that <laughs> like just i don't know like that like somehow the cat dropped like you know i don't know but part of chernobyl you yeah, it nuked that bathroom. That litter box. And you just like you're like what? And you walked out, and if I recall, overheard your wife say, "Terry, yeah, I know the cat pooped. I know." Like, so like, you're like she was like telling it. She's like, "We're having a book club meeting," and you're, you're telling her about the cat. So I just wanted to bring it up because I thought that was really funny. Well, so. the other cat is like rubbing its anus over the like the camera of the <laughs> the book club. The zoom, it's like, yeah, zoom, it's, yeah the camera. zoom meeting. Like, there's the camera on. On the, the laptop and it's like a cat anus is like there it's like well of course you know like cats are uh, obligated to show their anus to anyone I even know, if it's like, over a camera like check out this chocolate starfish like what's yeah. up oh jesus you know? yeah right see terry now you, now I mean, you drug it down yeah now you made it weird one, yeah one of the first times <laughs> i met my wife when the cat that her roommate had at the time accepted me it was by putting its butthole in my face so <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, as long as it doesn't do like a Starro type thing, I think it's fine. So, uh, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it, 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 it's asserting a do its dominance. You know? Yeah, either way, we'll just watching, just watching Terry, just like, just look like he got punched in the face and leave the kitchen was uh, really entertaining. So that's the only reason why I wanted to bring up that story. But people want to—it's a feline's world, and we're just yeah. living in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what they think. Considering that cats are, you know, actually pretty clean creatures, I'll take that trade off versus like, you know, maintenance of like many other animals. So whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so you could you could donate, put a name in a litter box, cats will poop on it. So there you go. That's breaking news. Uh, the second the second story here. This one's for you, Ogoro, just because I the scenario I think would be funny knowing what happens here. Um, here it is. Guess hoot. Screech Owl invades Connecticut home, hides among board games. So. <laughs> 
Um, uh, animal, okay. animal rescuers said, uh, um, and police in Connecticut were called to a uh, home to round up an unusual breaking and injuring suspect, an owl. The West Hartford police said in a Facebook post that an officer responded alongside animal control officer um, from, what was it, whatever, the animal place. And when a screech owl <laughs> managed to get inside a home, a photo shared by the department shows the owl perched on a shelf among the board games. Uh, they said the owl was safely captured, has been rehabil- you know, uh, rehabilitated by the rescue. As of this post, the owl is doing great and said to be released shortly. Um, I'm going to see if I can send this um, image in our uh, Skype chat. Uh, just okay. the reason I think this is funny, because one, I know you do have a number of board games, but also the number of collectibles that you have near your, your person right now. The <laughs> idea that if something was to break <laughs> yeah. in to your house. I'm actually like, I'm afraid to actually enter your place when, uh, when I finally get to come <laughs> over uh, El Goro. El Goro. I mean, it's, it's, uh, like if I, if I, if I fart or like close a door, like too too hardly like and all of a sudden like all your action figures are just going to topple over i mean it it is it is safe to say that if you there is a way to get into the office it's not (laughs) as crammed as 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 all that but there is a way you have to get into the office yeah so i sent the image via the chat if you guys want to see the the, the oh look at that little guy So it's actually kind of adorable. Yeah. It's just hanging out there like, this is my home. I just, Leave I just me alone. the idea that if Aww. it got into to, uh, El Goro's uh, office or recording, the thing is like, if it was just perfectly still, would you even know it was there amongst all the items? That's, you know. Well, well, I'd like to I, think I, so. I, the thing I wonder is, did it actually bring a piece of mail? <laughs> I, that's true yeah <laughs> i just i would just be like he'd be like sorry el goro i would be like uh oh i, I don't this isn't my typical gardens of Gohuli figures those are on the other side of the room no i don't know he's so cute man yeah, I, I, yeah. oh yeah I feel See, bad in, in in my head i imagine el goro's office just having the figures the movies all this stuff around the owl would show up and somehow blend in with everything and be like didn't realize I bought an owl, but all right. Yeah, that's whatever. what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it was, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I've a, seen pictures of his uh, collection, and it is, uh, it's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, but yeah, I think it would have fit in really well. <laughs> so, I was wondering where it, would, where, where it would perch is the problem. I'm looking it's, around. I, I, <laughs> but I also aman, uh, imagine uh, El Goro being like, uh, uh, who's uh, the girl from um, Misery? Oh, uh, Annie, Annie Wilkes. Wilkes. Yeah. Annie Wilkes. Like, wait, what is that? <laughs> That's true. That's Facing true. I do notice direction. when things are out of order. I just I don't want him to be like, like, okay, there's the owl figure, and I keep finding all these dead mice figures. I don't know what's going on. So, uh, <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just imagine it's either going to be next to a predator or Stan Hansen. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, so. I do have a Stan Hansen. There you go. So, uh, third story. Uh, this is, I mean, I guess this is for you, Jeff. I don't know. This has no relation to anything. I, I was trying to like, this is just funny and scary. So maybe that's why Uh contractor remodeling bathroom finds grenade behind the tub. That's the last story here. A contractor working on a remodeling job in Washington was removing a bathtub from the home when he made a surprising discovery inside the wall, a grenade. Um, the, the guy doing the work, I said, he tore out the, the tub in the third floor bathroom of the home in Seattle's, whatever neighborhood revealing a hidden compartment in the wall and an an object that appeared to be a grenade. Um, my first thought was to get out of there. Good call. Uh, he then returned (laughs) to the bathroom and captured video of the grenade, which he posted to his company's uh, TikTok page. he's like, I rushed out of there, took a breath, actually went back in and recorded the situation. I zoomed in on my phone and took a closer peek. I'm like, that's an actual freaking grenade. So the Seattle police department's bomb squad responded to home and confirmed that it was a grenade, but it was inert. 
Uh, and then the police said something. They mentioned something about World War II and how veterans came home and they brought their weapons and stuff with them. And somebody stored it there and possibly forgot about it. Hmm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there was uh, definitely a grenade uh, and a wall. And, and I know Terry already said blowing up the bathroom once in this episode. So, um, yeah, I was, I was, I was refraining from making the joke. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of bath bombs, but not like, you know, actual, like, you know, bomb bombs and bathrooms. So I don't know. Check your walls, people. There could be weapons in them. And I mean, unless you have purposely put weapons in them, then I guess that's fine. You know? So, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, 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 I've been biting my lip the entire time when you were telling this. Because <laughs> there, there, there are bigger problems. <laughs> See, I, I have a weird a weird thing about weapons and walls after watching that 2022 Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. And that's where the chainsaw was kept. It's It just got weird. Never mind. I <laughs> know. Uh, sorry. I, I have not seen it. So I, I can't I can't reference that. But I, you, you, you don't need to. Okay. You don't need to. Well, that's fair. So, uh, if yeah, you, I, I was thinking of Sicario, like I was thinking about other things being behind walls. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So at least John Wick had it under the floor. That made more sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> there that's you true. Go. Um, I mean, I, yeah, uh, it's. I, the, but why? Like, maybe the person that brought it already knew the thing was you know inert and just had it. But then again, I don't know. There's there's a bigger story here that we'll never know the answer to. So, um, so yeah, there we go. That was uh, saving it for a rainy day. Sure. Um, or they're just like, you know what? I watched Death Wish three. If, if you know, if, um, you know, Chuck Bronson shows up, I know I could I could help fight defend my neighborhood because he would use this somehow and make it into like a or, catapult. Or they saw this film and they're like, I you know. I'm ready. That's for true. Yeah. This, the, you're right. Like I forgot. You're right. This home uh, defense. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. That's fair. Like, like, let's not forget some of the home alone shit going on in this. Oh thing. yeah. We'll talk about that for sure. So yeah, that was, I mean, he couldn't store it in his abdomen. So the wall was the next best bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so God. there we go. Uh, so that was, that was our news. Just figured, you know, just some fun, goofy stuff. So, uh, yeah, let's get into, um, the often discussed, but, um, not yet seen until recently, uh, 2015's Tomorrowland. And now for our feature presentation. So the reason why I picked this film uh, is one, I'd never seen it, but also over the course of the history of the show, every time <laughs> we would do a Black Friday uh, deals segment, for whatever reason, Tomorrowland became like this big punching bag. And, it mm. got, and to me, and, you know, I, I will you know, uh, kick a dead horse until it's glue. Like, and this thing, this thing was well past glue. So I was like, you know what? Probably about time that I, I watched this goddamn movie. So I wanted to have other people on, uh, for this. So that was the only reason why there's really no thematic, anything other than like, you know, I think it's about time to, to watch this film. So, uh, so I, I like, I think this was a first time watch for the four of us, right? Is that correct? Yep. Okay. So, yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. So uh, with that said, uh, yeah, this is 2015. Uh, it is uh, directed by Brad Bird, written by Damon Lindelof, and um, story credit also with Jeff Jensen, uh, starring George Clooney, Hugh Laurie, Britt Robertson, Rafferty Casey, Tim McGraw, which I kept like, I kept like, is that Tim McGraw? Like, it was just, it was weird. See, I don't know. It just like, it looked like, he looked like Kirkland brand Tim McGraw. It was just really confusing to me. Oh, that the cowboy hat and the tight jeans. Yeah. It's true. Just, yeah. Um, and then, uh, Catherine Hahn and, and Kegel Michael key is only in, um, one scene of this film. Um, yeah. and then, and also machine, we talked about him already. So, um, <laughs> this, this is a film like, 
I think it's important to mention because like I and um because with Damon Lindelof's involvement in this, he was part of Lost. And I know there was a lot of that like there was this whole thing about the mystery box concept. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you know what I'm talking about with this, where they like, he was doing the uh, Abrams thing of like, well, kind of got to build hype by like, you know, like hinting at things and whatever. And then this was a project initially titled 1952. And I remember, I think it was on any cool news. They actually showed like the box with the objects and speculating about what it was. I don't know if you remember that Ogoro, but I was like, that's back like back when that site, you know, before we all, fell away from how bad, how bad that person was and whatever. That was the big news, yep. like that, the, the, the big mystery box. And I remember like, I was excited for this film because Brad Bird, you know, like I, you know, we, the, the other live action film he had done before this is mission impossible ghost protocol, which is still my favorite of the series. Um, I like that film a great deal. Uh, this directed, you know, a number of different um, uh, films for Pixar, like Ratatouille, the Incredibles, the iron giant, uh, phenomenal, right? So you're like, okay, it's in good hands. And Lindelof, um, you know, a little bit more wobbly. That, that's my opinion. Um, I guess we can, I don't know if people have an opinion about his output, but... Uh, he's he's the reason Prometheus is the way it is. And we'll just leave it there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, but the thing that confuses me though is that he actually oversaw Watchmen and that was phenomenal. So, True. Um, yeah. So I can't hate the guy for everything, but... Yeah, it's just but you get this lost you get these like these edges of lost in this where it's like uh th- there's bits of dialogue in this that are speaking to these big concepts but they're like simple words. And something about that pissed me off, but I'm getting I'm putting the cart before the horse. I was excited for this film that it just kind of like was there and everyone's like, "Eh, it's eh, it's a it's a movie." And then I just never got to it. And then because it kind of just immediately just like crashed and burned, it became the joke. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe there's some like gold in them hills. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with this. Uh, if people haven't seen it, I mean, I don't, I can understand why. Um, and it's not on Disney plus, which is weird, no, to me. which is very weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems yeah. to be like the battle, uh, battlefield earth or battle. Yeah. Battlefield earth. The, 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 the uh, like that, that whole, am I, am I right about the, the, the concept? title of that uh um, are you talking about um john carter or mars is that's that's the other one that no 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 about. it's uh it's, uh, the john travolta oh yeah battlefield yeah. earth you're right yeah 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 so it's like that it was like the concept it's like oh my god here we're going into like we're going and doing a high concept uh piece and then like we're putting a lot of money into it and it, it bombed like crazy and that's like everybody said at the same point, like it's probably about the same like reception. Like everybody yeah. bombed the shit out of this film, and I'm like, I, I, okay, yeah, well, I, I guess would... I don't want to see this film. <laughs> I, I never I, thought I, I, I would saw compare a, a, yeah. a Battlefield Earth. You know, it's like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I would never, I would never compare these two. That, yeah, that's I, I'll, I'll defend Tomorrowland and say it's, it's not Battlefield Earth. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, like, but it's just at the same time. Uh, I just I think this is a movie that didn't know what kind of movie it wanted to be. We'll talk more about that in a second. But the main premise of people have not watched that and I have no interest in seeing it. Uh, it is a movie that that just basically it's it's in media res, but the 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 way that they break up the storytelling is weird too with this, right? So we get our character Frank, who's trying to talk to directly to a camera, we think, trying to tell a story, and then we have um, the other character that we eventually see. And what is her name? Um, 
you know, Casey. Casey. And basically, you know, she's trying to like tell him like, you know, Hey, start off with the beginning of where you're at. And we, we go back to the fifties and he was this young kid that evidently, um, no one paid attention to. And he just rode a tram to the New York state it's, fair. Or, like, the way the he's World's presenting fair. is doom and gloom too. Yeah. And he goes to the, the New York's uh, world's fair, uh, which we all know was run by Howard Stark. I'm kidding. Uh, but, um, and he's trying to like, you know, show off his invention of this jetpack that kind of works. That also is kind of like, Hey, you guys remember the Rocketeer? That thing. Uh, so, uh, but then, you know, he shows off his invention to Hugh Laurie, which I love the, the, the part I laughed in this movie the most at is whenever, uh, he's just like, no. And just like, just let the kid, like, he was like, you're not, no, we're good. Like, uh, I'm not even considering you, but uh, he, his invention, which works kind of caught the attention of Athena. Um, this young girl that like, like that saw something in Frank. So she hands him a pen. Um, and that's when they go on their way to Tomorrowland, the ride, I think, or something. I not quite clear. Um, it's the Disney exhibit there, right? The world of tomorrow. Yeah, thing. it was. It's yeah. a small world. Yeah, yeah. They went on yeah. into small world, yeah. and then <laughs> and then that like that. But his the pin is like a little like a little access thing that gets scanned, and he ends up in like some other place that is this futuristic landscape, and it's you know, really neat and interesting. And he's there, and then. Uh, that's where we like the story kind of stops and we learn about Casey and her upbringing where the, the part of this movie that I have the hardest time believing is that she's in a Florida public high school in which they're talking about climate change, social injustice <laughs> and like everything else. Um, I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, this is hard sci-fi. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe it was still part of the curriculum in a sense in 2015, but yeah, I just, um, I, I, it's Florida. So I don't really buy it. Yeah. I, I, I had invited uh, Trevor of the theater war podcast to be on this episode. He couldn't make it. And I was going to ask him about like, Hey, how do you feel about this being shown in the state of Florida? But, um, but yeah, anyway, and she's also like, as is every kid now, super tech smart. Uh, she has a little drone thing. She flies around near this big NASA installation. That's this big platform for launching rockets that is being torn down. And because of that, her father, Tim McGraw, is about, is about to lose the truck, the house, the dog. I'm kidding. Um, like a country <laughs> song. Um God, yeah, that is a layered joke there. Yeah. I love it. So, so yeah, yeah. But then from there, she is like, um, as she does this, she gets caught, put in jail, and then this pin shows up, and then the pin, as you guys were making the reference at the beginning of the episode, that me inviting you on in this show that I want to talk about this movie, I forgot the joke. <laughs> um, that, yeah, yeah, that you yeah. touch the pin and it shows you this other world. Uh, and, and then, all you have to yeah. do is just touch it. Yeah. And so then we, we're just, just on our it. way because now, yeah, she wants to see this, this futuristic world and, uh, not as all, not all things are what they seem. Um, and you know, things go from there. Um, so, and, but yeah, anyway, uh, with this though, um, I know we didn't have our, ex we didn't have really any expectations. Uh, this is around the time that Disney was also trying to find ways to, um, and they're still doing this create media that is um, adjacent to other things they've done. And I, mm. because of Pirates of Caribbean taking off, you know, of course everything's going to have to be attached to something. Right. And knowing that this was just called 1952 and then they're like, Hey, what about calling it Tomorrowland? I think that was the biggest problem from the start of this. Um, but yeah, they wanted to, because everybody loved Pirates of the Caribbean. How many people remembered Tomorrowland as an attraction? You know, like it just, it seems like an odd choice for an attraction to try to make an entire movie around. 
Yeah, I think I remember it more because I've grown up in Southern California, just down the freeway from Disney. So I've been there several times, you know, and I remember when they revamped it in the mid 90s. But when I heard they were doing a movie, I'm like, how? Why? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, we now have two Haunted Mansion films, right? And a Jungle Cruise movie that was from the, the risk taker, Dwayne Johnson, we just talked about earlier. Well, um, I mean, that, that, that's an interesting concept because, um, you know, El Goro, Paul, and I live in northeastern Ohio, and we're close to Cedar Point, which is world-renowned. Like, people come from all over the world to, to, to come to that park. Um, there is no way that they could spin something from like one of those roller coasters or something no. like that. Like, even, like even disaster transport, because, uh, Paul and I, um, <laughs> we have a connection to Cedar point, uh, in its own, own, its own way. But, um, as much as you would love to like create something from that. There's no way. There's absolutely well, no disaster way. Disaster Transport, the ride was trying to like trying to chase Space Mountain, which, you know, the Disney yeah. product, right? So, but, yeah. But at the same time, I can't necessarily hold it against a Disney because Disney has all been about the capitalization of brand identity. You know, the things that, that inform Disneyland, the amusement park came from their brand identity of the cartoons mm -hmm. they were making and everything. It was a chance to see the cartoons come to life. Right. So it going the other way, it makes a certain amount of sense. They have a certain amount of cultural cachet that had been built up because while Tomorrowland may not have the same kind of resonance of a Pirates of the Caribbean or even just a Splash Mountain, it's still been an event at a world famous amusement park for the better part of 60 years now. Yeah. I don't know how long Disneyland has been around, but right it's been a, a, a it, fair amount of time. And I don't think I don't think they miscalculated based upon the name. And I don't think that if they had released it under the title 1952, it would have necessarily gone higher. Where I think this film necessarily dropped is in the commercials. I don't think they did a good enough job of necessarily selling what the movie was. Mm -hmm. And in yeah. fairness, I don't think the movie itself did a good enough job of knowing what it wanted to be. Because we have a movie that is simultaneously a retro-futuristic fever dream, which has some wonderful, wonderful visuals and some great action sequences, but it's also essentially Escape to Witch Mountain. It's all of these things kind of thrown into each other, and none of them necessarily line up as succinctly as I think they needed to in order to pitch a thing like this to an audience that let's be fair. This was only released a few weeks away from Avengers age of Ultron and pitch perfect Two and Mad Max fury road, all of which were huge films during this time. I think that it just got overlooked. Yeah, that, that's a good, a good call. And also like, I think that uh, I, this is nothing against Brad Bird. I think this probably would have been better as an animated movie. Honestly, I think so. Yeah, because yeah. um, you see that same type of joy, like, like young Frank wearing the like the rocket pack. I'm like, he looks like you know, he looks like um the like the young you know the young version of the uh, the guy in Up. You know, like yeah. adventures out there, <laughs> and it's like, what's what's the one uh, animated film? Meet the Robinsons. Oh yeah, that was that was Disney, but not Pixar. Uh, which mm -hmm. like, that, yeah, I mean, good, yeah, good, that's fair. Good Lord. Like you're dealing with the concept of like traveling time and everything. And it's like, I think that was a really well done film. Uh, am I right about the title? I well, mean, Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Ro yeah. It sounds familiar. I've not yeah. seen it though. 
Yeah, I've yeah. not seen it, but the title is correct. No, it's correct. Just when I was yeah. working at Blockbuster, that, that goddamn thing was on all the time. So yes, I've, I'm aware <laughs> of uh, yeah, Mr. Robinson's. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's like it's a fun concept. It's like the idea. It's like there's inventors, and they're like you can go traveling through time, and it's like, and then you have jetpacks and stuff. And it's like, why did I feel like this is like a live action version of that sort of? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think that, especially when you show what like. The, the idea of what uh, of what Tomorrowland, I mean, whatever whatever they want to call it, because it's only referred to Tomorrowland as you know, once in the movie. And they never, mm-hmm. they, did they actually ever give a name to the actual place? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I just always call it Tomorrowland. But. Um, I think it's called what? Affluence. So like the people that are like, we're higher above than everybody else. Because like that's, kind of what it boils down to it's called it's called fiddler's green i'm kidding that's not (laughs) well and that is something that'll fit into one of the reasons that i ended up kind of avoiding it but um for up until now but uh we we can get into that territory later but yeah i I just think that this was a film that it didn't there wasn't enough in the marketing to make it necessarily stand out and make people jump into it and it's the same thing that happens, you know, anytime that Disney these days tries to launch a new sort of property that isn't tied into an existing media franchise they have. And traditionally, I've been a big defender of some of what have been considered to be Disney's biggest missteps. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Black Cauldron. I'm a, tr- a tr- gigantic fan of John Carter. You know, I've read those books before I, I saw the movie. I knew exactly what I was getting into, and I got exactly what I wanted. John Carter is a solid, solid movie. So I I just I think that this was one it, when it, at the time of its release, it just couldn't necessarily find its niche. Or it may have, because that's the other weird thing about this. We get this perspective of Tomorrowland being a tremendous flop. And it was, but it still made $200 million. A lot of people went to go see this movie worldwide. Mm -hmm. It's just they needed it to make $300 million in order to actually see a profit on it. That's fair. I, and I think that, I mean, we've been, we've seen that more recently where these, that this targeted budget of these films, it's almost like set up to fail unless they come out, you know, unless they just hit the, hit a home run. Yeah. Gonna, yeah. So I, I, I see your point there. That's fair. Um, it just makes me wonder. Cause like also I was reading it, like some of the, the trivia, Brad Bird turned down, um, what was it? The episode seven, right? Or no, eight, whatever it was the second of the new star Wars movies to direct this. Last Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and cause he thought this was like, this is, he's like, you don't get a chance to do too many original movies. And I'm like, fair enough. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, after do you like, it, it, this is going to be a weird comparison. So bear with me. Um, Edgar Wright got a, um, a much, um, meteor, uh, and confident way of directing action. Um, after doing, um, uh, what was it? Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Cause you go into at the world's end, there's that big brawl in the bathroom with the blanks that it's like, this is a comedy. Why is this action so good? Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think Brad bird doing ghost protocol had a, a much beefier way of doing some of the action. There's some cool stuff in here, but some of it doesn't quite fit right. Cause it's just because he knows how to do it. Doesn't mean necessarily it needs to be here. Like there's that one cut where Athena just gets annihilated by a truck. I jumped. Uh, I know that was the point, but I'm like kids movie. You know? I laughed. 
I laughed. That tells you how messed up I am. No, I yeah. out loud laughed at that. No, it is funny, but you're just like, uh, no. And especially after we had that big sequence in the, um, the, the, the shop, right. Which was cool. Uh, but it's just like, there's just bits and pieces here. I'm like, wow, there's some, yeah, there's some thought put into the choreography here and some of the fight scenes, but I'm like, I, not that I need like, you know, something loosey goosey, but there was like, there was a weird like edge to some of it that I, especially even like the home alone sequence, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, like this is like the tone of this was just whiplashing back and forth. So I, I don't know. I just wonder like where Brad Bird's head was because he is really, really good at showing like wonder and fascination, right? And it's like, because I mean, you know, my goodness, like, I mean, we'd talk about the Iron Giant, like he's able to do this and, you know, and there's other things that he's done, like the, like, like the other ones he's done for Pixar. Um, but it's like, this is just, it just feels like maybe he was like, you know, like, you know how sometimes method actors, they can't get out of the character for a while. So maybe he just was still like, you know what? I could do this action stuff too. It's like, no, 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 this is supposed to be the movie. It's supposed to give everybody joy. Not um well except except I I think it goes back earlier than that because one can look at the action sequences that he had assembled for Incredibles and it still true. has that same kind of kinetic energy of what he was doing in Tomorrowland though it, I do think it's appropriate that you brought up uh, the World's End from Edgar Wright because a, a lot of the hand to hand robot fighting felt a lot like what Wright did in the world's end, just the way it was cut together, the, the speed of the movements and everything. So I wouldn't be surprised if that film kind of made its way into Tomorrowland as well. But I mean, in terms of his action directing, I think that, you know, again, the Incredibles was a precursor to this and, you know, and mission impossible as well. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think he always intended, I think what he set out to do was make a kid's movie that still had more of an edge, the idea of not talking down to the kids. So we can present it, present a, a, a kid's film that still has harder stuff onto it and anticipating that the children would just be able to take a ride with it. On the other hand, it was a PG 13 film. So he may have just been going after a, I think it was a PG 13. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, he may have just been going after an older audience with this. And that this was intended to kind of fill that sweep spot. And actually, I'm, I'm, I'm completely wrong. This was a PG film. So oh, no, this was intended for children. Yeah. And because, well, you know, I, it, like, there, the, he was being deliberate, I think, with his action choices. Yeah, don't, don't talk down to children, but just let them know the world's going to be over in 59 days. Hey, uh, how many how many messed up uh, kids movies were re-raised on throughout the 80s and 90s? Um, you know, well, they, oh, man. I think they also made a, a bigger point to, uh, to let you know that, like, the kills are all robots. That's true. It except helps. for except for Hugh Laurie, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. actually. I, I think that's where they they went afoul. Well, no, like, no, they, but not I was all the robots. Surprised he ended up spoilers dying at the end. It's yeah. just like because he was a villain, but he also wasn't that villainous. You know, no, he, he wasn't. He wasn't actively destroying the world. He was just like, no, we were trying to warn them, and then people were being dumb, and we're just not going to save them. It felt like he should have had a, a greater redemptive arc than have a gigantic metal ball fall on his head. That's while true. He says but, but Terry, you they forget. managed to get a bollocks into a PG yeah, film. That's fair. No, Terry, yeah, you forgot which, the zap uh, guns. Yeah, the, uh, that that could have gotten a thir- PG thirteen as well. No, there were so many people just turned to like dust by these. Like, I mean, I get that that's like you know laser gun stuff, but it's like not. No, 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 no. It wasn't just robots getting killed. There was first responders showing up. There was other people mm-hmm. just getting just, you know, um, you know, whatever turned into paper I mache. See, I want to see that film. 
Laser gun stuff. <laughs> Laser gun stuff. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's a double feature with jet truck, is what it is. Uh, is so, that going to uh, be starring Miles O'Keefe? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would be. It would be. A, it'd be amazing. And, and George and George Eastman. That would like. That's what would be in Miles. there. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I see your point. It's just I. I, I know I'm having a problem like trying to like pinpoint something because I do feel like this film is is wobbling in its tone. Um, so I feel like I'm wobbling all over the place. So welcome to the show, yeah. everybody. But um, I want to yeah. I want to go back to like talking about the trailers for this, not really knowing because I watched this earlier today before we all jumped on to do this. And before I watched the movie, I watched the very not the teaser, but the first official trailer they released. Mm-hmm. And I went. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. That's how I felt the very first time I saw the trailer. It's how I felt again today before I watched the movie when I saw that trailer. Like, I don't get, is Tomorrowland a place that she's being transported to? It's not really clear until you watch the movie and then you kind of get it. But I feel like this movie has so many places where things didn't fit. There were plot holes, like her brother just knowing Athena's from the future or whatever. I'm like... When was he ever told anything unless we're just supposed to go, oh, he and his sister are close. Just assume she shares everything with him. I mean, I, I, I did I, like I, that he deduced that she kinda, was not a Girl Scout. I thought that was funny. That was pretty obvious. But yeah. I, I, will yeah. Say, I, I will say that um, there are people that are put into a di- dictatorial kind of like position where it's like they have to decide what the like the trailer looks like. And sure. then they're like, I don't like I don't know what to do with this. That's <laughs> you know, like so. Like sometimes, like trailer looks better than the film. Then other times, it's like I don't want to see that. Like who who yeah. wants to see this? And and I I don't like. I mean, like I guess I guess uh, the trailer. I don't want to be told everything because then that's frustrating as well. Uh, yeah. So so sometimes I'd right. like to just to get like a impression of what I'm about to get into. And I understand there's some trailers out there that purposely mislead because they understand that like. The, the less you know, the better going into a movie, but it shouldn't be a PG like Disney film. Right. I like, I think there are, there were some surprises in this. Right. But it's like, um, I do think that they, like, you know, they're like, yeah. Um, there, there really wasn't a lot in terms of like, I hadn't seen the trailer in forever, but yeah, like it just, it, yeah. this wasn't a movie that you needed to like, yeah, I understand the little mystery box thing of like, we're going to tease this. So people will be like, Oh, like, will you like it? But it's like, you know, you might want to tell people what the movie is, at least in broad strokes. Um, yeah. Because your you know, teaser yeah. should be something to go, wait, what could this be to mm. get people interested? Then your trailers should give a little bit about what's going on. Don't give everything away, but give us a little bit. And you don't have to taste like some movies benefit from, like you said, kind of skewing one direction. And then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, I was not expecting this at all. Thank you for that. Or it works against it just give us something to kind of let us know what we're getting into. You don't have to give us all the plot, but somewhere it's like, okay, that's an interesting concept. Maybe I want to check this out. Like I said, I watched it and went, what the hell is this movie supposed to be? And just went, I'll eventually check it out somewhere down the line. Yeah. And, and so with all that being said, when she gets the pin, uh, that, you know, when you touch it, you suddenly end up in like, you know, just adjacent to the baseball field from field of dreams or whatever. Um, (laughs) and, and how like she keeps trying to go towards like, you know, this big, beautiful structure. And, but like, but she's also conformed to like the, the physics of the reality around her in real life. The first I thought that was funny. The first time it's funny. Right. Then it kind of starts breaking its own rules. 
Did you yeah. did you notice that? Like there was Yeah, to a cert, at a certain point it's just like wait a minute, she's actually interacting with elements of this, but those elements she shouldn't be able to touch. She shouldn't be able to touch the railings of Tomorrowland if she's still confounded to the reality of her physical world. Yeah. So right. there were certain things that were just kind of breaking down at that point. I don't think they they nis- it's an issue that arises with some of the stuff that this is a this is a film of very big ideas. They're just not as fleshed out as perhaps they could have been. Well, and yeah. there's it wasn't necessarily given as much logical thought through. But at the same time, because this is a, uh, a, movie, a movie about the celebration of science, it, uh, it obliges us to kind of sort of think these things through, you know? Yeah, because like she's in this like flat area. She rides her bike out right to the fighter area so she can touch the pen and not bump into walls. But then when she's in Tomorrowland, there's a whole sequence where she descends a set of stairs. And I'm like, I wanted to see in real life what was going on. Because then later on, like she starts, like you know, all of a sudden she's walking out in water in real life, and we see that happening too. But then before that, when she takes the like the monorail, are we supposed to see her in this cornfield or wherever it is? Like, sorry, this this marsh just flying around at like record speeds. Just wasn't moving. I know. Maybe she was in the real world. She was just standing, and it was you know, I don't know. Which which is fine, but it's just. But the whole thing is like it's it's implied that that when we find out, so the idea that. What that was, was basically this like, you know, really swanky commercial to tease people to come to Tomorrowland. I kind of liked that idea as a concept, right? Meaning that we're showing you like, you know, like I almost, I would almost love it where it'd be like in the bottom left corner, like, um, pre-rendered video game footage, not actual gameplay footage or whatever, you know, (laughs) like, um, whatever. Right. Um, so, but then like, you know, when we get to like the end of the movie and you see all these pins and people like standing up in this field together. It's like, they're in all the different parts of the world. How is this happening? Like, you know, it just, none, it just whatever. Like I, I, it's one thing to hand wave away some stuff where it's like, it's just science fiction nonsense. Like with the builder robots, which were cool, how the one took uh young Frank's jetpack and fixed it for him. I was like, okay, that's cool. Whatever. Now it works. We, we yeah. I don't have to overthink it. Fine. You mean Ed 209? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I It did bother me, though, the whole sequence where she gets there, when she rides on her bike and goes out to that area. She's walking amongst these people, and you see deliberately the way she's moving is not to touch or interact with anybody. So yeah. they're, like, giving you little pieces. It's not – it's subtle, but you realize she's walking in such a way. She's going in areas where they wouldn't allow her, and you're like, okay, nobody's seeing her. Even though there's that woman on the monorail going, come on, you should join us. There's room or whatever she says. Yeah. And I did like, like oh, you can see me and there's no interaction. Yeah. But um, then they show her touching the handrail. It's like, she shouldn't touch that. She shouldn't be able to walk down the stairs. Yeah. And I do, there was that nice nod though, that they, I don't know if you guys were noticing during that, that, that sequence that, um, pretty much all the dudes look the same. Like after mm-hmm. a while, you'll notice like they're where I think it was the same actor and a lot of the, I mean, of course, whatever it's, it's the matrix. Oh, this is like their predecessor to, uh, Barbie. <laughs> yeah. It was all Ken's. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So like, that's the, like the idea that, that I think that's my biggest frustration with this movie is that there, there are like you, like you said, El Goro, there's, there's moments of like, okay, I can see what's going on here. But then it was like, um, Oh, what there was a movie we talked about recently where I think Terry, you and I were discussing it about like um, something about it feeling more like storyboards between just like, you know, you got cool sequences, but nothing in between. I I'll think, say. It was a house. Yeah. House. Yeah. House. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. It, what, why does House Sue make more sense than Tomorrowland? Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's you, a stretch. There, even, <laughs> I, I mean, I followed the plot of House Sue better than I followed Tomorrowland. But what does that say I mean, about I, me? I, I didn't have any problems with the plot of Tomorrowland, but I think when the issue arises is kind of the same criticism that's been leveled against Damon Lindelof. It, that's the whole mystery box structure that he likes to pile on elements and they can be suggestive elements. They can be hinting elements, you know, to keep the mystery going. But when it's time to take all of those elements and actually build towards a payoff, that's where it falls down that he can come up with these compelling pieces, but he can never seem to exactly assemble it into a whole. And I'm wondering if, you know, in how much of the screenplay was coming from him, how much was coming from Brad Bird, and how much they just needed a, a more traditional storyteller standing there saying, guys, we actually need to, you know, make this kind of work into a more cohesive thing. Because Tomorrowland is very much a movie of pieces. It's a movie of big ideas, but the connective tissue between them is not all that strong. And it's, it's and even the expected sort of narrative arc gets interrupted not in a compelling sort of subversion of things but in an unsatisfying way you know we were talking about the fate of Hugh Laurie being an example of that so it's a very disjointed kind of film but still one that I can't dismiss outright because there's still a lot of really good parts of the film mm -hmm. but then there's parts that let it down and unfortunately, one of the parts that let it down hardcore for me was all too often uh, Britt Robertson's performance as Casey. I don't know why, but I found her more often than not very insufferable in this film. And I'm trying to parse out why. And part of it just seemed to be, it's like, man, you're kind of an asshole, kid. <laughs> Oh yeah, let's 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 forget the fact that, uh, or let's look over the fact that she was committing, you know, federal crimes trying to yeah, sabotage. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with that. You but, know, no, but, but, no, but then like, you know, no, fair enough. Right. Uh, you know. I, I like that. It's like, a yeah. girl's like, fuck the government. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, so, no, no. But, but the, like the, they post bail. Right. And it's like, and then immediately she's like, Hey, just tell dad I went camping. It's like, no, you're going to get arrested. <laughs> you know, like, but just like the line where she was like, I deserve an explanation. I'm glad Clooney said what I was thinking. It's like, you deserve, what the hell do you deserve kid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I, I, you, I, I, what's, I think the thing that wasn't explored enough is that the relationship between her dad and then what his project was like, yeah, he'll, he, he's like out of the job. It's like, it's not, it's, there's not enough there, you know, for her to break federal laws. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, her dad's like, he's going to be out of the job. It's like, he's, she's, I don't know. That just doesn't seem to make sense there. It yeah, doesn't and, the, and traditionally with these sort of things, and I'm not saying every film has to, you know, adhere to a formula, but formula storytelling formulas exist for very strong reasons. Most of the time is because they work. When you're inter being introduced to a brand new world and you have somebody that serves as an audience surrogate, a point of view character, a lot of times the tendency is to try to ease off or at least sound sand down some of their more over the top characteristics 
in order so it's easier for the audience to somewhat imprint upon them so they can serve as the point of view into this wild ass world. It's why they introduced uh, the character, the uh, generic white guy in Hellboy, the first Hellboy movie, because <laughs> Guillermo del Toro realized, OK, this is a really weird world. We need to actually uh, give the audience a kind of a soft entry into this. So yeah. in theory, Casey is supposed to be our point of view character, and yet she has these at times audience alienating characteristics, or at least it was for me, that she doesn't serve as a compelling point of view character because we're distracted by her own idiosyncrasies. And at points where we as the audience are trying, are wanting to get an explanation. And this was an example of, for example, when she was in the car with uh, Rafi uh, Cassidy's character of Athena. And Athena's trying to tell her what's going on and she keeps interrupting her and keeps screaming. It's like, no, you're failing as a point of view character. We're trying to to live through you to find out what's going on and you're actively preventing us from finding out what is going on mm-hmm. and then and ultimately her being the most important character too it's like so now we have no connection to her exactly i mean i i have i have no problem with building her up to be this kind of chosen one type character but they do these things to yeah, they do these things to somewhat alienate us from her. And it also doesn't help that, you know, when George Clooney comes up, he's George Clooney. He's automatically the most compelling person on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I think that's a bigger point to this film at all. Like, throughout all this, it's like he's, like, been voted, like, the most, like, handsome man in the entire universe, all this kind of shit. It's like. And he's been in big budget films, you know, Ocean's Eleven and all that stuff. It's like, now we got the guy, we got the dude in the film. And then all of a sudden it's like, why, why is this not working? What, hmm? I just, what, 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 what's not working? Oh, I don't know. I just, I like, I want him to be like, listen, you know, I was an attack of the Killer Tomatoes part two, um, <laughs> you know, like, you know. Return just, to Horror High. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was in one hand. Why not? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, no, like, his, yeah, he's immediately uh, charismatic, right? And there, and he, I was Booker, damn it, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you, and it's like, but at that point, you're supposed to like, oh, like you know, like you're, that's supposed to be more like not not buddy cop, but like you're supposed to get behind the both of them. And every time, like even the bit whenever they transport to Paris, and then he's like. I like that uh, he asks Athena, he's like, hey, uh, is everything okay still there? She's like, it's fine. He's like, when was the last time you checked? She's like, 25 years ago. He's like, oh, it's been a while. And then they immediately get transported. He tells Casey, like, hey, you're going to lose most of your blood sugar. She comes out saying she's dying. He's like, don't worry. We have Coke available. I'm like, how long has that Coke been sitting there? Uh, but the fact 25 that- 25 years. Yeah, 25 so. years. And then she just, you know, like just gulps it down. And, and the moment he's like, you know, told her like, you know, the thing that both of us had gone through, you're going to take that Coke. And he just walks along like nothing happened to him. I don't know. Yeah. That- and, and she takes his too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. Bitch. Uh, yes. Um, so I think I think the lines that kind of what this film was trying to go for was the beginning whenever young Frank is talking to Nix and he talking about the jetpack and mm-hmm. like Nix is like saying like well what's the point of this and, and Nix is like how would your jetpack make the world a better place and young Frank says can it just be fun 
I yeah. think that was what the film was trying to get across and basically be like, you almost expect like Hugh Laurie to look directly at the camera, like, like Austin Powers part two and just be like, don't think too hard about it. You know, like, well, um, and, and that's yeah. something that they lost. They lost focus of the, can it just be fun? And they kind of cycled back to it, the idea of science existing as a point of inspiration. You know, he lays it out that if somebody sees somebody flying, they'll be inspired to do something else. And it's all fit into the themes of the dreamers. But even that they kind of lose focus about that. And they sort of set up Hugh Laurie again to be one thing as a more pragmatic uh, approach to science versus pure creativity. But even that's not really paid off in the same kind of way. So it's, it's really sort of disjointed and it really feels like if they had had a third writer to come in or maybe somebody other than Damon Lindelof working with Brad Bird on this, they could have strengthened it up a little. They could have made it more narratively and thematically consistent. And it would have been a stronger film. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's supposed to try you know this whole thing of, of hope, where it's like go find dreamers and all this stuff. And it's like, it's all, what it sounds like to me is like the people that have like just a little bit left in this world to hope. Just you know what? Just just bring them here. Like, and then leave all the people that just hate their lives and hate the earth. You know, we'll figure it out eventually. It's fine. We're smart enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, I do want to say I don't have a lot of experience with Lindelof. I never watched Lost, so I don't know how any of that oh. goes. This was probably my first introduction to him. I didn't even know that he was a writer on this, but I do want to say you guys talked about how this might be a better animated film. I honestly walked away from this thinking this would have been better as a series because there's so many things that didn't have a chance to breathe to let us kind of take it in. It was like, Oh, here's boom, 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 boom. And then we're onto this. It's like, well, wait a minute. Whoa. Tonal shifts all over the place. What's happening? Yeah, yeah, I just, I and, just, I just think that when they did the, the the fractured storytelling at the beginning, they could have, they could have easily done Young Frank. We would have picked up with him later. And we could have went to Casey. We didn't need this like snarky interlude stuff, and I think that would have helped. Like you know, I don't know. I, I like see, we, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Jeff. Please. We also could have got more from Casey because the the one there's two moments that tell us that she's this you know genius kid. One, her dad's a NASA engineer. Two, she goes in when he's working on whatever he's working on in their workshop, garage, whatever, and she moves one alligator clip over to make something work. Then it's like, see, she's a genius, and that's it. Other than, oh, she aced this test at a 73 or whatever. It's like, okay, so that doesn't give us enough. Like, And they show her in school going, but can we fix the problems we're creating? And the teachers just kind of go, uh, what? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It's Florida. So that's probably a real <laughs> yeah. response from teachers there. I agree with you, Jeff. I, I think that it could have been flushed out more, um, like as far as a series, but then we also see, um, certain things that have translated over to star Wars. Um, so you can see some of the parallels there. Um, you know, it's like who has a, who has the rights? Who has the abilities? It's like, yeah. So I, I, I mean, well, and that was honestly, and that that fit into something that I'd I'd alluded to earlier, where the, one of the reasons I hadn't seen this film up until now was somewhat due to the com the commentary that arose around it, and it's related to a, a comparable criticisms that have been leveled against some other Brad Bird projects. There is a running thread of critical thought 
that a lot of Brad Bird's films are representative of the same kind of philosophical objectivism that was popularized and created by Ayn Rand. The notion that there are the elevated few, whether they be the superpowered people in The Incredibles, whether it be the super geniuses in Tomorrowland, and the best thing we could do is allow them to be super. You know, it fits into that whole thing of what syndromes thing. When everybody has powers, nobody is special. You know, when everybody's special, no one is. And there, that criticism of uh, the Incredibles being basically, you know, the fountainhead, but with superheroes, and uh, the Tomorrowland being Atlas shrugged with sci-fi. This has been a, a repeated refrain around Brad Bird. Now, this is something I've pushed back in the past, particularly in my own conversations around the Incredibles, that while there are elements of his storytelling that are reminiscent and reflect certain values expressed in ex objectivism, one of the key differences that I point out is that a, a, key, a key element of objectivist philosophy is basically uh, a moral argument for being a dick. That it is morally <laughs> right that if, if you are a super person, you are allowed to be a complete asshole. That it doesn't matter because you are better. Whereas in The Incredibles, yes, these were super people, but they're – ultimate aim was still altruism they chose to help humanity now they they had that they they weren't obligated to do so they weren't forced to do so and but they still chose to use their powers for the betterment of people that were not like them and they didn't do it for their own self-gratification they did it because it was the right thing to do and the same could be said in tomorrowland as well the final uh, conclusion to this that's while the Hugh Laurie character may, may be able to be painted in more broader objectivist touches, I think the true message of the story was not, hey, these super special people should just be allowed to do their super special things without the government interpeding on their super special stuff. This isn't John Galt. Mm -hmm. This is saying there are talented people out here there and we should allow them to help us. We should give them the space to dream I don't think that that is in keeping with the same kind of philosophical dickishness that you get from objectivism. And if there's any objectivists out there that want to uh, contest my particular view of your very messed up philosophy, by all means contest. I don't care. You're an objectivist. Your opinion means nothing to me. Look at that. Calling out people. Calling out all the haters. I don't, I don't you know, I don't that. do it often, but every once in a while. <laughs> I feel obligated to do so. And I'm going to do it on your show. So you get the hate mail. Yeah. Well, the good news well, is I don't get any mail anyway, so it doesn't. Much right. Yeah, it's true. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, at the same point, it's like, I, I think that you were so articulate about like what's going on in this storyline that I, I don't, I don't know how you can argue with it. Like really, like where are the people that could argue with it? Oh, there's always people yeah, that are arguing, yeah. and it's yeah. uh, again the, 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 these sorts of uh, arguments have been going on ever since Ayn Rand was a thing, and yeah. there's always going to be a new generation that's going to come across her stuff and think that they are 
the kind of uber mention that she's uh, put that she's putting up. You know, there's always going to be some angsty smart kid that s- starts thinking that I I too am John Galt. No, you're not. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, and, and I know yeah. ne- I know Netflix. Um, they're doing an adaptation of Bioshock, uh, the game. So, and that's also very heavily influenced yeah, by bo- both um, Bioshock and Infinite are. Yes, so yeah, that's. Um, well, I, I've been reading the stand recently, so like yeah. So I know what's up. <laughs> hey, the stand rules, man. I know, right? <laughs> so other things I have questions about this movie is like, okay, his home, his home alone death house, which was like, was a fun sequence. But for someone that was like such a good inventor, he, he made a lot of single use weapons. You know, like, it seems weird to me. Like, like it was like, you know, it was just, he was like waiting for that one time. He knew there was going to be that one time that it was going to be the crazy house party. It just seemed like, you know, some of these things are only, you know, they're pretty cool and pretty effective against robots. Maybe make more than one of them. It just seemed weird to me. It, just, it sounds like they had yeah. a series of ideas. They're like, this will be fun visually. Let's just do this. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. What other I, 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 I find it cu- curious that he always expected this scenario to happen. <laughs> Plans ahead. Yeah. I, I did appreciate it because it was, it was a fun sequence to watch, but I was also going back. I'm like, okay, it is very home alone. But then I also thought back when Ogoro mentioned Casey being sort of our way into the film, she's supposed to be kind of guiding us through. We're supposed to relate with her. I feel like it was done better in deadly games, dial code Santa Claus. Yes. Because they established this kid is smart from the get go. He's, they establish what he can do. And you're like, I buy this. I buy that this kid, he's our way in. I'm on board. It, I didn't buy it here, but I, I liked the house with all the traps, but I was like, Eh, I I like Deadly Games better. It seemed a little more cohesive. This was like, well, I expected this to happen. How? Why did you expect this? Like, shouldn't <laughs> I, you have I, just said like laid out some things like in case something happened, like not for this exact scenario. The only thing we didn't get oh. is a grenade in a wall uh, by the bathtub. That's the only <laughs> That's thing true. we didn't get. We needed that I, grenade I, in the wall. <laughs> there are, there are there are a couple of fun sequences that go on. Like she she recognizes that um, the, the 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 dog that's about to rip her throat out has no footprints. Like that's pretty. I mean that's interesting. Yep. But uh, mm-hmm. not flushed out well enough. For everything else, <laughs> and, and, and she knew how to set a tractor on fire, um, like or whatever it was, right? Like that she had. The only thing she knows how to do is break things. But so they'll just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> no, but the other thing, like other, her dad's heart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, no, she she fixed the one thing her dad was working on, remember? So there's one thing she did right. Everything else was destruction and mayhem. That's true. Um, and then also, too, real quick, what was with uh, Keegan-Michael Key's uh, uh, character of having personality? And then we find out that he and um, Catherine Hahn are also the same type of robots that are like the other ones chasing everybody. None of them had More personality. More advanced models, I guess. I guess, because yeah. like, there's that gag of him walking through the door, and it's yeah. like, so in the meantime, does he just run his like you know I'm I'm the goofy protocol and run this nostalgia shop? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I wanted um, like a, a Super Mario Brothers kind of sequence where it's like it's still them, like they're still like pursuing them. <laughs> like I thought that would have been more fun having them like, those two characters be pursuing. Yeah, I would have been fine with yes, that. Yeah, like come on, like I it's like I already I, fell in love with them from the get. Immediately, I saw Catherine Hahn. I was like, oh, all right, cool. And 
then you see Keegan Michael Key. I'm like, okay, this this is something interesting. I mean, blatant Star Wars reference aside, because Disney owns the damn property, they can do. Oh, whatever it was they more than just Dude, Star Wars. Oh yeah, I mean, you saw an Iron Giant. Yeah, you saw that all that. Yeah, yeah I, I saw was, that, and I went. So the day the Earth stood still. Also, okay, you're throwing oh. a lot of stuff. The pan by, and you see the Planet of the Apes. I think I'm whatever merch it was. <laughs> like, but I, I like, had like nerd boner the entire time. <laughs> It was well, so I, cool, but I, I wanted more from these two, and then they dispatched them so quick. I'm like, but – or they could have even had other robots that looked just like them because maybe they were – they had so many that they could dispatch in case there were problems that happened with those two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, just I, I, liked, I liked the design. I liked the design of the Secret Service robots and the, mm-hmm. their uncanny smiles that they had. I liked oh. that, that look. But yeah, yeah, it does point out a, an inconsistency of it because we have robots acting one way. But then ro- the other ones that aren't. But then again, we also have Athena, who is much more human-like. So I guess it does establish there's gradients of these robots. And yeah. maybe maybe the uh, uh, Catherine Hahn, Keegan-Michael Key, they weren't designed to be the same kind of battle droids that the other ones were. So, so they, yeah. they had a little bit more personality. Speaking of Athena, um, so mm. we, are we all going to blow right by the weird romance subplot? Right? <laughs> That's really weird. We were saving yeah, that for the I'm, end, dude. Come oh, on. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. It's really kind of creepy because it's written as a love as as kind of a love scene between you know this immortal robot and George Clooney. Except the immortal robot is played by like a ten year old. It's really creepy. Well, thanks for bringing it up, Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was watching that whole end sequence, and I'm like, I. Um, I, feel very, I felt very uncomfortable. I'm just like, like yeah. guys, are we really doing this? But it's like, oh, Tomorrowland is libertarian land. It's like, it's like all those crypto guys that wanted to buy a boat and just like have no rules, right? It's just like, oh, oh god, yeah. Like, I, I didn't know his character was a was a priest or something. What's oh, going no. on? It just. Well, I, I'm glad I brought my whiskey with me. Oh, yeah. my god. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who doesn't have alcohol? Damn it! I, I'm actually, I, I'm, I'm drinking non-alcoholic yeah, beer. I switched over. And I only I, have one can of the. Uh, I did drink a Celsius energy drink to make sure I was caffeinated for this. I commend you you both because, good lord, there is some shit going on in this film that, especially that context, like, I I, I know that there is kind of that scenario where it's like, I've cared about you in the past, and now I'm holding you, and I'm going to say my goodbyes to you, but there is a loving look that is impressed right then and there. It's like, I I don't know. Like, I understand that again, I I could see them maybe going in. They were trying to go for a different direction, but just again, the audience is primed to expect a certain thing. The language of the storytelling and the filmmaking was giving a vibe. And the vibe of that was realization of love that, you know, this, this thing that was previously incapable discovered it love. And again, it's creepy <laughs> when it's a yeah. small, a small it little really girl is. and George Clooney. It's it's Skynet becoming self-aware, but in the most disturbing and creepy, <laughs> pedophilistic way. Yeah, and we didn't need to yeah. do that. Nope. Yeah. Also, I, can we also put out the logic that there were there were literal jetpacks to the left of that platform that was flying up to the main control station the entire time. Yeah, and then there was a big fight yeah. for the control station, and it's like, wait a second. 
there's three jetpacks there. And we've seen like, I don't know, like it just, I'm just like, wait, like did, I want to be like, I want to go to these people and be like, did you, did, wait, when you were shooting this movie, did you even like, were you paying attention? Like, I don't know. Like I just felt, I yeah, don't think that I, I, <laughs> I understand this idea that Frank was so in love with, uh, I like that. I went to jetpacks. Now you're right back to this part here. I continue. Yes. Uh, go uh, on sorry, sorry. Well, I'm trying to, <laughs> He's like, no, no, let's talk about the girl thing again. Please go continue. Go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to rearrange these things. I'm like, I, but I'm like, I understand what they're trying to do. And I'm like, in that end sequence, when we're saying goodbye to Athena, it's like, it just doesn't feel appropriate. It just doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like as much as like Disney's like, yeah, this is the way to do it. It's like, you made some really questionable films in the past, and this is like, like this kind of tracks. You know, it's like this last sequence. It, it wasn't great, but I mean, it could have aged like way. I don't know. It's it's one of these things. It's, it's just going to be there. I, I, it's just it could have been handled way worse, but it was it wasn't necessary to begin with. You know, like I mean, so. At, at least they didn't bring on like Victor Salva to direct. I guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, no, it just like, at least they didn't pull the thing where it's like, Oh, Oh, her body collapsed. And then like her, her AI goes into a, like a grown up version. So then they can get together. It's like, Oh, well that would even be weird too. Like it just didn't have, they, they, they could have found a way around all of this and without having I, that be a plot point. How about that? Yeah. How about a different I plot point? Li- yeah. I did like the touch at the end where he was like your predecessor, when he's talking to all these different recruiter robots, they have these children, you know, things. I'd like that where he said, your predecessor, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't need the creepy moment before all that where you're like, yeah. So also, does that imply that George Clooney's character, Frank, was like, listen, here's how we're going to get everybody on the world. Children. (laughs) Well, they weren't all children. (laughs) Yeah. Some some were adults. Uh, Okay. It's just like, hey, you know what we need? Just some really photogenic children out there dropping dropping off pins that the people that are getting the pins will never see the kids anyway. You know, anyway. So, Like I said, they needed a third person in that writing room yeah. just to say, guys, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, right. So anyway. Uh, I, you know, However, whoever, whoever decided to name Keegan-Michael Key uh, Hugo Gernsback, uh, <laughs> my hat is off to you. Yeah, they, that, they was, named, that was uh, actually a very nice reference. They named uh, Catherine Hahn something too that was also a reference. I um, I uh, can't recall what that. I was. I think it was meant to be Ursula K. Le Guin. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah. Which she reminded me of a live action version of her character from Into the Spider Verse. A little bit. Was, a little Doc Ock, right? The yeah. glasses and that. I'm like, are they purposefully? I don't. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I don't. Maybe know. it's just because I I enjoy Catherine Hahn when she shows up. So when I heard her in Spider-Verse, I was like, awesome. And then seeing her in this, I'm like, cool. And then she's gone. I'm like, uh, all right. Well, <laughs> I, I think we're, I, I think all of us have like, would kind of glaze over the fact that like that store rules. Oh, the, I would totally go to that store and everything oh, is like I, 70% I, off. I'm down. Dude, there is a, a, a gort like right there, like life-size gort. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to go to the store every day. I have not seen the original Day the Earth Stood Still, but I immediately recognized that and was like, all right, this this oh, is the place even, I would go on. to. Yeah, they even had a Robbie the Robot. Like, you could, yeah, it's, they, mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, Brad Bird. For God's you know, sake, yeah. man. Um, so, yeah. I know, I have to watch time. more movies. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> All right. So, any other yeah. any other thoughts I'm about dis- this? I just I'm uh, disappointing you. <laughs> uh, is there anything? I, I'm, di- I'm, di- I, I, I'm not only drunk, but I'm just pissed now. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
least I didn't watch right, well, the remake we, and start gotten, talking about we've that. We've gotten one. Terry pissed. I think it might be time to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. To, <laughs> to quote to quote George Clooney, don't don't pee on me or whatever he says in this movie at that yes. one point. Yeah, don't don't pee. You know. So, um, yeah. So, uh, any other thought? I mean, it's, I know it's kind of all over the place. I would say here's my my like the movie's okay. Like in terms of like, it's not unwatchable. It isn't a complete mess. Uh, I can now understand why it kind of is where it is. Um, but the film I'd recommend people to watch, it came out a year after this. It's from 2016. It is a film called Midnight Special. Um, mm. And it is, um, it has, let's see here. Um, oh, I had the cast in front of me here. Uh, uh, Michael Shannon's in it. Uh, Joel Edgerton, Kirsten Dunst, Adam Driver. Uh, it is um, a story of a father trying to help his child uh, escape like a religious community because he is he sometimes like sees visions and has like these like weird like power outbursts and he's trying to get his kid away from that and they're trying to track him down. The FBI gets involved and if you watch that movie, you'll see there are parallels and I don't want to get into what they are. But it's a wonderful film, uh, and I would recommend it. Like people go check that out. Um, and it was directed by um, uh, was it Jeff Nichols? Was that the guy's name? Um, yeah. So um, it's yeah, it's a really cool movie. Um, so it's not the the story of Wolfman Jack. No, no, it's not. Um, okay. it, it's not the story of the CCR song either. No. Uh, so for anyone who's way younger than us listening to this is going, what the hell is that douchebag yeah. talking about? Yeah. So I, that would be my, my recommendation. But any any other thoughts about Tomorrowland before we wrap it up? Nothing. Okay. I, I'm, I guess we're good. It's I mean, a very flawed film. But yes. You know what? It's not a terrible movie. It's yeah. not as terrible as its reputation. It's not. It's not as terrible as the flop it has. And I don't think it's nearly as philosophically bankrupt as some people have accused it of being. It is a very disjointed film. But at the same time, I can appreciate that Brad Bird attempted to do something original. As we said, he had the opportunity to do a Star Wars. And he decided to take the harder road. It was a failure, but I think it was a worthy failure. Yeah. I I did find fun things in this movie to enjoy. I walked away from this. I did. I don't hate this movie. I don't overly love it. I like it enough to be like, yeah, I would tell somebody if they enjoy stuff like this, definitely give it a watch. Yeah. At least so you can be informed about what it is. Though I, I will say I, uh, I do hold a vendetta against Tomorrowland, though. Because of the box office failure of Tomorrowland, they canceled Tron 3, which is now coming in. They're fin- we're finally getting a third Tron, but the continuation of, of Tron Legacy that they were planning on doing with those characters, mm-hmm. that got completely uh, kiboshed because of the oh, failure wow. of Tomorrowland. Yeah, because I know they had set wow. up uh, Cillian Murphy to be um, like the major villain in the third one. And Yeah, he um, was going to be Master Control, I believe. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 been, I yeah. still haven't seen the original <sighs> Tron. So I'll just jump off the call now. Guys. No, 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 it's no. fine. I've, Look, I've had a hanker. It comes to movies yeah. in their own time. That just means you've got a lot of really cool movies to check out in your future. Yeah, I just, I've had oh, a yeah. hankering for Tron Legacy recently. Like, I need to sit down and just turn that soundtrack up and just watch that oh, movie. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I, I, I unabashedly love Tron Legacy. I, it, like, it, it's it's not perfect. Again, like, I like, the, nope. yeah. It's like, oh, it's like visually stunning, interesting soundtrack. Oh, but the story's a little weird and not 
quite great. And it's like, oh, it's just like the first movie, you know? So yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It's just like, well, I was like, oh, it's whatever. But it's like, just, yeah, I just, uh, goddamn, I love it. I, I was listening to the actual score a couple of days ago, but yeah, anyway, this either there. Yeah. Excited it's for the third one. I grew one up coming. with Tron. Yes. I grew up watching the last Starfighter over and over. So there, there you go. go. So. It's also why I was later to Star Wars. Cause last Starfighter was my, yeah. <laughs> my space flight movie. I mean, death blossom. What right. more do you death need blossom. to know? So Terry, any last thoughts for Tomorrowland before we move on? I, I think it's better than a lot of people like like shit on it for. Uh, <laughs> Clearly I, me over the last like seven years when I would bring it up <laughs> as a Black Friday joke, yes. I, I, I mean, it's like the, the special effects are there. Um, Storyline is still there. Uh, I think just watch it. Give it your own credibility. You know, like don't don't listen to anybody else. Like, you know, like we're we're a bunch of guys sitting in a in our own like houses and that. And our own we're saying things about this. You're in a house doing this. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in the condo. I'm, so. I'm in, I'm in the Eiffel tower right now and I'm going to yeah. do a national treasure <laughs> thing and just play a wax cylinder that, you know, opens up everything <laughs> well, else. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I yeah. continue. Just watch the film. Yeah. That's all okay. I'm saying. Just watch the film. I, I don't think it's worth the, like the poo poo, that all all the thi- all the critics critics bleh. I know all Terry, the people. You're, Terry you're angry and pissed right now I get it so um, I'm yeah, mad yeah you're mad so all right that's going to do up our discussion about Tomorrowland before we move on to the game uh, Jeff tell people like how they can find you sorry I was muted for a second <laughs> you're like well, you can't I find do- me at all <laughs> like anyway no continue. <laughs> Well, I have, uh, much like Paul, I have two podcasts now that I do. The first one being the Skewered Universe podcast, where typically uh, Leanne and myself, she's my wife, we sit down and watch a movie and we do it sort of, the best way I can describe it is horror host style, where we'll watch so much of the movie and then come back in and kind of give you our stream of consciousness live thoughts as we're watching through it. So it's a different way to talk about movies, different way to review it, but we do have regular reviews or we'll have guests on and do stuff like that currently we're in our january is for giallo month so i'm going through giallo films to familiarize myself with the genre a little bit more which has been a lot of fun there's hits and misses in that genre but i'm appreciating what i'm seeing so there's that the other show i do is every saturday we go live we do tales from the podcast and right now we are going through the leprechaun series we're doing all of the original run films. We are leaving out Origins, and I believe it's Returns is the most recent one. So the two newer ones without Warwick Davis, we are not covering. But that's proving to be very fun. We've done the first one last week, which I thoroughly enjoy the original Leprechaun. It's Is it flawed? Yeah. Is it over-the-top ridiculous at times? Yeah, but it's it's fun. So you can catch me there. Skewered Universe, Tales from the Podcast. Go check it out. It's available on all podcast platforms. Perfect. That's pretty much all I do. All right. And uh, the El Goro, uh, what is it that you do, which is everything? Uh, I don't do everything. I only do one show, and it's the Talk Without Rhythm podcast. It's a weekly movie discussion podcast where every week I select two films or have my patrons select uh, some films that are usually tangentially tied together by a theme. And, uh, yeah, just uh, celebrate all kinds of movies. Right now we are in the beginning of my Patreon pick series where my very generous patrons patrons are uh, booking the episodes. Most recent one I did. 
was a conversation with uh, my patron, Jacob P. We always love talking with Jacob. And we discussed the 1996 Wachowski sisters film Bound and the 2001 film Sexy Beast, which was a very interesting pairing. Both uh, first time watches for me. Awesome. And um, I love Bound. Yeah, Bound's, all, Bound's yeah. awesome. But Jennifer Tilly, I, I love her so much. <laughs> so yeah. I I I I uh, watched some of your uh, your posts lately, and I'm like Jennifer Tilly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, it's a, a comment I had with my partner Stephanie while we were watching the film. It's just like you know what, male female doesn't matter. If you if you were on the receiving end of the full court press from Jennifer Tilly, there's nothing you could do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yes. All right, Terry. Uh, that's, uh, if you need a moment to compose yourself, uh, tell people how they can find you. Zip. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, we are uh, part of Strange Highways. Uh, that is our podcast. We, uh, Paul and I are just doing our thing with um, Twilight Zone. Uh, we are in the midst of trying to cover all of the things in the eighties rendition of it uh, it's uh it's a hell of a trip man <laughs> like it's, we're in season two of what is it we're but we're like we're about to end season two like we're in the tail end of it yeah yeah um i've and, been drinking i'm sorry uh, and, and, no, it's, it's fine <laughs> i know it's just it's been there's been some really interesting segments but there's been a lot of not so interesting segments but i still think it's a series worthy of visiting and watching Again, I've always said this. People will all like be like, "I love the Twilight Zone," but they just cherry pick things, and it's like that's cool too. But sometimes, you know, it's important to like. Not that I'm saying you have to like eat your vegetables before you eat your desserts, but like neither series are, is like absolute perfection. And and the '80s one has some cool stuff, and some of it not so much. The most recent segment we talked about was uh, Private Channel. Uh, bad, really, really bad. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Jen- Jennifer Tilly was in it. It would have been better. Well, um, <laughs> two episodes from now, um, we're getting, um, I'm sorry, I had it. yeah, well, Terry, two, two episodes of twilight zone later, we're getting a young, um, Oh, what was uh, the name's failing me now? The other person that's in bound, um, the other Gina Gershon? Gershon. Gina Gershon. Yeah. We're getting nice. Gina Gershon in a couple of oh. episodes. Uh, Joey Pantaleone. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Joey pants. We're getting Joey pants. No. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we have, we have that to look forward to. So, all right. Um, uh, let's just get into this, this, uh, this very much teased game of, um, movie tie-in food. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, so I decided to go digging in, looking at a different, um, like, you know, restaurants or other things, because every time you go around and see, you know, everything gets branded with tie-ins to movies. Some stuff better than others. Um, you know, like, like people, I know people lose their shit over ecto cooler. Oh, whatever. Um, you, you know, you know how it goes. So I'm going to ask you guys if this is a real or fake movie tie-in product. All right. So, uh, first thing, uh, Burger King's Mission Impossible Whopper. I don't recognize that. Um, Hmm. I think I think it's real. I'm gonna say fake. Okay. I'm gonna go real. Okay. It is. It is fake. Uh, they. Okay. The, the part is though is that Burger King already has an Impossible Whopper. Uh, like because they have like the 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 plant based. And I was just like, oh well. Whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so, right. Um. All right. 
Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, breakfast cereal. This is the Kevin Costner movie, the you know, the all important one the kids loved. I'm gonna say no. Nope. I'm gonna say real. Fake. It's real. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought that had a tie-in of any kind? Right? Oh, I, I was target audience for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves when that. I, was saw, it. I was, saw it in the theater. Yeah. No, but there were plenty of toys and stuff, so I, I could totally see them doing breakfast cereal. Wow, I don't even remember toys or anything for that. Uh, I remember, I remember fact, the most music. Of, most of the I, toys uh, were just repurposed Empire, or sorry, Return of the Jedi action figures. So Friar Tuck oh. was a Gamorrean guard, <laughs> and the, the Robin Hood uh, treehouse playset was the uh, Ewok treehouse playset. Nice, there we go. Well, All mean, right, if you have enough stuff left, just repurpose it. Exactly. Right. So I remember the what was it, Brian Adams? Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah, best that's, song. Ever. It was Brian Adams was Rod was it Rod Stewart and. Um, <laughs> Sting? No, no was it, Brian it, Adams. It's a different movie. Oh, I'm different thinking. Movie. I'm thinking of Three Musketeers, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Brian Adams had that. Other, yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, he did it all for you, Paul. You yeah. better give him respect. Yeah, I mean, I was I was thinking of you know Three Musketeers. Um, uh, I, I saw the, Brian Adams recently, so it's don't you not, not to not yeah. to derail this too much, but oh, anytime no. someone brings up Brian Adams, I don't know how many of you guys remember Tower Records and the commercials that were on TV back in the day for tower, if they were around you. No, <laughs> but I just remember there was one commercial when he had his album, I think it was waking up the neighbors and the announcer just Brian Adams, waking up the neighbors now on sale at tower records. <laughs> it, it goes in my brain. Every time we all have those little triggers that happen. So yes, I've <laughs> sorry to do uh, that's okay. All right. So, um, this is, uh, Cowboys and aliens slurpee at seven 11. Uh, and one one was flavored Alienade, which was a mix of uh, uh, strawberry, raspberry, and lemonade. Hey, that's real. Uh, I'm gonna go fake on that one. It is real. Oh, and okay. evidently th- th- this did so badly that 7-Eleven never partnered up with another movie after them. So um, <laughs> imagine that you want to talk it's about a movie that, that I thought was okay but had problems as Cowboys and Aliens, um, which also was written I by like Damon that, Lindelof, like by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, still haven't seen it. It's yeah, o- I haven't it's, seen it either. It's okay. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. It it could be. It the, the premise alone should have been funner, right? So, um, but yeah, I, anyway. I think a part of it was I saw it. They were like Daniel Craig, and I'm like, wait, James Bond is a cowboy? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, and um, and Harrison Ford is in it. Yes, yes. Uh, all right. So, um, IHOP's Dune uh, Part One menu, uh, the House of Atreides triple stack. I'm going to say, oh, how much I want that to be true, but I'm going to go with fake. That's fake. I I think it's real. It's fake. I just I did it just because. Oh, I was, you son of a bitch! <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd have to think if that if, if that was the case, I would you would have had pictures of me eating that. Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to, to, to fit like, um, like cinnamon spice sandworm something something something. I couldn't quite make it all to go together. So I mean, hey, there are pumpkin spice pancakes. Yes, I mean, well, I haven't I, seen any version of Dude, but I know damn well talk about rhythm. Where Jeff, comes, we we love you. You don't have you don't have to say I've not seen this before anymore about anything. And you've already, it's fine. Like, I think, I've seen a lot of movies. There's just certain ones I haven't got to. I just like, you're like, well, I haven't seen that. Like, I feel like we could just, it's a, a presumptive. Now I'm kidding. I'm, I'm absolutely kidding. I, I should have followed tail for uh, El Goro. So yeah. I get, All right. My follow. All right, Terry here. I'll give you this one. It's a, it's a softball. Uh, the Batman pizza calzone from little Caesars. Yes, that's real. 
That one's absolutely real. <laughs> yeah, it's real because I remember you talking about it. Yeah, I bought <laughs> one. Like, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, um, what was it? What was his line in that movie about something Are about vengeance? Are you eating it right now? Yeah, I wish I was eating it right now. I think it was the first time in about 20 years I was tempted to go to Little Caesars. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, food. All right. This is, um, there is a Japanese hard candy named uh, Sakuma Drops. This uh, was branded with uh, images from a, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Is that a real or a fake? Um, oh, no. Oh, no. 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 Oh, no. I'm going to say, for some reason, I want to say that's real. It is real. Uh, so, oh, my God. Which, wow. Okay, I'm going to quote that Jeff here. Awful. I've never seen this film, but um, but El Goro. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but, is it, know but, I, but I, evidently, evidently the, the Sakamu drops are like something in the movie. Like it's an, it's an old, old Japanese hard candy. Uh, so I guess that they they yeah. show it in the movie. Uh, I'll, but I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Paul. Just because I love you so much, we'll, we'll we'll sit down one day, and I'll do we'll do a double feature of Grave of the Fireflies and When the Wind Blows, which Jesus was a Christ. British animated film about. I heard the, you. Uh, I heard you bomb. talk about that. Like, what are we gonna do after that? We're just gonna like watch Watership Down. Like, what else are we gonna do? Like, just no. After the, after uh, that, we'll just curl up into a ball well, and yeah, die. Yeah, I, yeah I'll br- I'll bring I'll bring the Kleenex because uh, I I would love to watch both of those. Uh, Good lord! Yeah, all right. I I know you guys do that. Twelve hours of terror. I just that meant that much time of depression. That that's, is that's twelve not good hours of tears right there. Good yeah. lord! Yeah, no, no. And if I if I was going to do a third one, I wouldn't go with Watership Down. What do you take me for? No, we we do Plague Dogs. <laughs> oh God, I I don't even know what that is, and I'm kind of afraid. Oh, I, I thought you were yes. gonna. I thought you were gonna say Threads. No, oh, well, no. Threat, well, we were going to keep with the animated should, theme, yeah. but no, Plague Dogs is one of the saddest goddamn cartoons ever made. And then can we watch that Futurama episode with the dog over and over again on a loop after them? Yeah, oh. except for that one, you know, we we know how that ends, that he yeah. actually, it actually was a happy ending, thanks to the movies they made later. Eventually, They retroactively yeah. changed yeah, that's that. That's true. All right, uh, Terry, this one's for you. The movie Rampage with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who takes cinematic chances. Uh, Rampage edition monster energy drinks. I don't think that's real. Okay. I'm going to go with real. That seems real. It's, it's not real. Cause I was trying to think of like names to go with the different monsters, but like one's called George and like, what do oh, you, God. like, how do you name a, a drink? Yeah. After that? yeah. But you know, you I know, did, if he, I did if he see would've... that one. If he would have made Rampage today, he would have tied it into his own energy oh, drink yeah. that he has. And then somehow be like, this movie's for kids. Also, my alcohol brand. Yeah, here's, here's, my, here's my tequila. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, what about Red Robin's Black Adam barbecue bourbon chicken sandwich? <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. Um, <laughs> I want it to be real. I, I do, I'm too. Go There's real. no possible. I'm going to go real because... When I thought things that w- couldn't be real, they were real. So I'm going real. Okay, this one was fake. Uh, I just uh, oh, I don't know so the idea of just calling something Red Red Robin's Black Adam. Like I don't know. Like I like the idea. It's like we couldn't even stick with the colors. But okay, uh, so all right. I, never I, smell I, I've lost Adam's track, cooking. but I I think I'm one down. Oh, so uh, I'm I'm in the losing I'm, category. I'm not. Right? I'm not paying attention. Uh, points don't matter. All right, so um, <laughs> points. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, suck. You yeah, suck. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, we all remember Demolition Man and how Taco Bell was the only restaurant of the future, right? Uh, Taco it, Bell, at least in my, at least in my existence. Yeah. So Taco Bell did release uh, a uh, was it a demo um, Demolition Man demo deal or a demo meal deal? That is a burritos and farim, nachos, and a large drink. So it was the Demolition Man demo deal. I'm gonna go fake on that one. I'm gonna go fake uh, on that one. I want to say real. It's real. 
Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Get out of here, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and Jeff, you mentioned, um, you mentioned uh, Daniel Craig before. Uh, Del Monte, um, around the time of Casino Royale, so it's not really Casino Royale branded. You'll see why in a second. A Daniel Craig-shaped popsicle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> when you really got to put Daniel Craig in your mouth. Um, yeah, like whenever he's getting out of the uh, walking, um, like, Onto the beach from out of the water, that big famous sure. shot of him. Um, imagine that, I'm, you know. I'm assuming it's a cream sickle of some sort. I mean, that's your fantasy, man. Like, whatever you want to do, it's fine. Um, I think it'll work better as Benoit Blanc, which is a joke that doesn't work because you guys haven't seen Knives Out. Fair enough. But. <laughs> um, and then there's a second popsicle that is a wicker chair that you could put this one in. I'm kidding. I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> kidding about that. But so, so is the Del Monte Daniel Craig shaped popsicle real or not? It, no. it, is it Widow's Peak? Um, <laughs> what? What did you say? <laughs> I, is it Widow's Peak? Widow's Peak. What do you mean? Like the popsicle? No, it's just it's yeah. just a. It looks like Daniel Craig. It's just a, like you know. All right. Anyway, <laughs> final answers like real, fake, fake, <laughs> Oh, it is very real. You guys should Google it. Uh, it's hilarious. What? Yeah, it's real. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. I'm looking it up. Yeah. What the hell? All right, I'm going to give you guys a moment and uh, to look this up because it is real. Mother of God, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looks oh like my. he has no skin. I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Oh, what the hell? Wow. All right. Like, yeah, as far as like everybody is saying right now, I don't want to look it up. Okay, that's fine. Um, you'll look it up later. Like, <laughs> oh, apparently, that same company, Edible Crafts, made a David Hasselhoff one as well. Oh well, there I'll get that one. It, I yeah. I hope it was the version of him on the floor, floor with the cheeseburger. That'd be amazing. Burgers. No, yeah. unfortunately not. But he is posing with it. Oh, okay. But- <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it. We'll put it up in here. Yeah. And uh, oh, David, no. I won't let me do that. All right, fine. All right. So oh, here it goes. <laughs> all right. All right. Next one. Goro's going off tilt. Yeah. Right so all right. So Terry, this one's for you. Some half. Yeah, this one's for you, Terry. Panera's Avengers Endgame snap half soup and sandwich deal. I think that one's fake. You don't think, think you don't think good. Panera would partner up with the Avengers? You know, those are two very similar markets. Are they? <laughs> I don't think. Uh, no, okay. I don't. No. Yeah, I'm going to say fake. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look up this. I'm going to look at this image of David Hasselhoff while um, El Goro. <laughs> uh, if it's sent sent properly, I don't okay. know if it did. <laughs> it says I I have to accept it. I will accept it. Accept um, it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Yes. Let the hop so inside much. of you. Yes, I would. I, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, hop in my car. I'll do that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Enter you. Yeah. Oh, God. No. No. So, so Goro, do you think Panera's Avengers Endgame snap half soup and sandwich deal is real? I'm going to go fake on that, that is one. fake. I know. I was okay. really reaching for that one there. Um, no. All right. Yeah. All right. Disney's The Little Mermaid 44 count family pack fish nuggets. <laughs> I'm going to go fake just because of the 44 count. That seems too big. Wait, which company, uh, or which uh, fast food place put this out? Oh, this was just an in-store thing. Um, An in-store thing. Okay. Oh, now now we, 
Now we're pulling at the threads. Well, the Del Monte okay. popsicle wasn't at a fast food thing. That's yeah, fair. That been fake. And Robin Hood Prince of Thieves breakfast cereal wasn't at a drive-through. So like, what, I'm, like I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fake because I figure it would have been like a Long John Silver thing. Okay. What What'd you say, El Goro? Fake. Oh, it's real. Uh, so God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Something seems so egregious about that. Yeah, like that right? I looked at that. And I was like, "Wait a second! The Little Mermaid. You're eating, you know, fish nuggets, right?" So, yeah. Um, all right. Have, you're eating the, the lower half of Ariel. Yeah. We yeah. haven't had the F-bomb yet, right? <laughs> Say what, Terry? This is just it's wrong. Coming. Yeah. All right. Okay, this one, this is Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. This one's uh, the, the flounder. The Dark Vader oh. burger. It is a fast food burger. The Dark Vader, and it's a, a black bud. By whom? Um, well, it, it is a it is it <laughs> fake, is a food chain. Fake. Oh, you're fake. Okay, right. Okay. Fake. Right. I do know that uh, uh, in certain territories, uh, what was it? Burger King put out like a Halloween Whopper that had a black bun. Yeah. Um, so this is within the realms of possibility. So mm, I'm gonna go with real, but only in Japan. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say fake because I know it was there was a Halloween one and I think that's the only time they've done that. Okay, so uh, so Terry, this is a fast food chain in Belgium. In Belgium, <laughs> it's called uh, Quick, and they released the Dark Vader Burger, and they spelled it V A D O R uh, because like um, the, the, whatever reason that that was correctly spelled for its, its release. So, but yeah, it was hmm. a, it was a Darth Vader uh, burger. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the door. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so, all right, Terry, this one's for you too. KFC's Passion of the Christ three piece combo. <laughs> Son of a. It's, no, there's absolutely no way. No. What, what combo was it? Because in theory, you sh- shouldn't you not be eating fit or meat? Like, so it'd have to be fish, right? No, no, no. You yeah. can eat. You can eat um, uh, poultry. No. Yeah. Don't indulge him right now. No. No, no. During Lent, <laughs> during Lent, you just can't have like. You can't have like like meat. I, will, I, like, like, I don't think. I think you can have chicken. Word. I don't know. I'm not Catholic. Um. I almost use it. I thought they had to just you had to have fish. That's why they go big on advertising fillet of fish and oh, stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I just do whatever. Oh man! Um, but That's I crazy. married. I like. I married into uh, uh, like Mary's side of the family, which they are uh, uh, varying degrees of practicing Jewish. So the the idea of what is acceptable around holidays for food is always a bit dodgy. So I don't know. Well, I remember well, it I being mean, a joke where it was just like, oh, you're not allowed to eat chicken. Oh, so I'm not allowed to eat eggs. No, the eggs are fine. It's like, oh, so you admit there's a difference between when it's pre-born and born. Yeah. Right? Ah, <laughs> there you go. Right. There you well, go. I mean, were the 12 herbs and spices something brought by the wise men? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, that was, yes. Myrrh, that's that's I mean, what myrrh is. People don't understand. That's what frankincense. Yeah, that's what one of those things are. Anyway, so, so Terry, and you verily said, we or uh, eat, take of this for it is my body, and verily it is finger licking good. good. There we go. Yes. So Terry, <laughs> you, you said this is fake. Or, I think it's fake, man. Okay, and and you guys, you know. uh, gotta be. Oh, it's it's definitely fake. Okay, it's fake. I, yeah, I just, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bridge too far. All right, um, I'm, I'm saving my F word for later. Okay, well, oh, there's already been F words during this episode. It's, <laughs> I uh, didn't drop know. one. Oh, no, there's been a couple. There are. It was earlier in the discussion. Uh, but yeah, um, I have not. Okay, I have, I have okay. been good because I I try to not do that on this show because I do it enough on my own. Well, it doesn't really fucking matter. So let's. Uh, hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, I I heard the rule that Elgora was the one allowed to drop the yeah, F. Yeah. 
mean, and then also, much like uh, I just mentioned about things being loosey-goosey, that has also fallen away considerably uh, in the last year or so. So, But it's it's still fun to try to imagine it's the PG-13 rules. We're allowed one, so you got to find the best place to put it in there. There you go. So, all right. Just flip it in. All right, Terry, uh, here. Here, you ready for this one? Uh, Cracker Barrel's Django and Change Southern Style Biscuits and Gravy. Oh, get the hell out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Son of a bitch, get out of here. No, absolutely fake. Absolutely fake. Any other thoughts? (laughs) Anybody else? It Uh, is Cracker Barrel. I I don't don't know why people are hesitating. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with fake. Okay, that is fake. Okay, all right. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, Denny's second breakfast menu uh, for The Hobbit uh, with such items as Gandalf's gobble melt. <laughs> Gandalf's what? Gobble melt. This is gobble. 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 G o b b l e. Gandalf's okay. gobble melt. Real. I. That feels like something Denny's would do. Yeah. So I'm going to go with real. It is real. I, yeah. It's yeah. It sounds so familiar. I'm like, this gotta be real. Yeah. They, there yeah. was, I, I remember when it came out that one of the, the plates was, uh, was a hobbit hole, like breakfast or whatever. It was basically, I had never had what's called a toad and hole until that point, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, I'm sure people know, but if you don't know, it's just a piece of bread, cut the middle out, you know, you bake an egg in that and then you, you know, toast the toast. But it's called also egg and hole. Well, there you oh, go. Man, I'm, I'm actually looking at the menu now. I, I, I would totally eat the Smog's Fire Burger. There you go. It, it, uh, it was really good. I had it. There you go. <laughs> grilled cheddar bun with uh, their special X sauce, jalapeno uh, jalapeno bottle caps, melted pepper jack cheese, uh, and, of course, beef. Yeah. Nice. El Goro, okay. it was awesome. Looks like <laughs> yeah. it. I think that menu probably wouldn't have happened if uh, Del Toro had stayed on to do The Hobbit. Probably not. (laughs) They probably would have been like, yeah, it's a little too weird even for us at Dennis. I don't know. He's like, hey, you guys like that? Yeah, that's fine. But I I would have loved more Del Toro menu tie-ins. Pan's Labyrinth at Denny's menu. Yeah. yeah. There was also that period of time where I had that where people like were quitting on site. Kind of like I'm not cooking shit, and then yeah. I left. I was like, yeah. oh, shape, I'm shape of water, though. fish sticks. There you go. Sticks. Yes, oh, dude. Oh, oh you like you, <laughs> you like fish sticks? You're a gay fish. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, all right, all right. Very, very quiet. This, this one's for for you, Jeff, because this is a West Coast chain. Um, the Armageddon triple thick burger from Carl's Jr. Oh God. Or Hardee's uh, if you're over on this side of the country. Trying to think back, Armageddon? No, fake. Okay. I don't believe the thick burger was around at that time, so I'm gonna say fake. What? How much mm. knowledge do you have of Carl's Jr.'s menu? Like, uh, it unfortunately it was a staple of mine through high school. So, okay. Carl's Jr. rules. Hardee's is not the same. I don't care what they say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! It, yeah. Um, what what I, is it? In uh, checkers and, and rallies are like they're completely different too, right? Like I so. wouldn't know. I haven't been to either. Okay, sort of. Yeah, rallies. I've only been to rallies. I haven't mm. been to a checkers because they don't exist here. Rallies is what's here on the west coast. Yeah, I mean, I, anyway. So uh, rallies went downhill, but yeah, I, I, I like rallies. Okay. So, so what what's your answer, Terry? Armageddon? I went no, no. Okay, that is, is a, this is no. And uh, El Goro, 
I will also say no. Okay, well, credit to you, Jeff. I did, I did not actually go back and do the time frame of the triple <laughs> thick burger, uh, but yeah, it's fake. Um, so it's right. it's unfortunate that I know I don't know the year that those thick burgers and that started coming around, but I know it wasn't there because Armageddon was what ninety seven, something like that. So, yeah, I, yeah, I was. Yeah, un- unfortunately, I was out. living off a of double Western bacon cheeseburgers at the time in high oh, school. There you, so, go. there you go. All right. Um, okay, what else do I have? I have a couple more here, uh, and then we're almost done. So, um, Terry, Tyson's Chickens, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdoms, Human Nuggets. <laughs> I, like, I like that human nuggets. Um, oh, God. I'm going to say no because of the human nugget thing. I'm going to go no. Like, that's not real. <laughs> Like human shaped nuggets, not made of humans, right? That's like, because well, yes, because there's dino nuggets. Either just, one, okay. either okay. one. Just, I'm just want to clarify, no. just in case you know, shaped like see, Bryce Dallas Howard running in high heels. Sure. Yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, there were plenty of people who would want to eat that, but yeah. um, oh, <laughs> it's just Chris Pratt with his arms out wide. You know, that's it. You know, I will spit my water like Triple H. God damn it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go fake because I do vaguely remember s- some company uh, doing dino nuggets that were Jurassic Park themed, and I don't think they would try to dilute the market. Fair yeah, I think it's fake. Okay, that is fake. Um, all right. So, okay. <laughs> I, I like how you try to confuse me. You're like, oh, this one's for Terry. Like, okay. <laughs> all right, Terry, this one's for you. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Like this dumb son of a bitch that just happens to be on his yeah, podcast. Yeah, no, right uh, here, here, this one's for you. Red Lobster's Heart of the Ocean platter from Titanic. I think I've heard this one on an earlier podcast. I think this one is real. I think this one is real. Okay. What do you guys think? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go fake. No, yeah, only because everybody Titanic, I don't think had a lot of media tie in or that kind of promotional stuff. Cause it was a slow build. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was expecting it to go through the thing, but it just made all so the money over a long ocean. period of time. But it kept getting delayed too. Remember like the release. Yeah. Pushed too. So I'm, I'm going to guess no. Okay. Yeah. I, I I'm going to stick with fake. I mean, it, it would make sense in some way, but no. It is fake. I originally I had written, ah. I had written Long John Silver's, but I'm like, nah, nah, nah. That seems too easy. So I wanted to confuse yeah, it up. Classy, yeah, we gotta get classy. Right? Uh, All right. So last I, one. I need to take notes on this kind of shit. Yeah. La- Long last John one. Silver's would have been a deep blue sea tie-in. I was trying to think of a way to tie in the Meg <laughs> and have a meal called the Trench uh, from Long John Silver's, but that felt like that was like like putting a hat on a hat. So I just didn't <laughs> couldn't quite come together with it. So um, Meg Two was fun. Yeah. So, all right, last one here. This is uh, it is a a meal prep uh, service. So it was actually tied a tie in uh, for a Zack Snyder's Justice League. His cut of it <laughs> called the Mother Box. Man, I don't know. <laughs> Completely fake. I'll go it, real. It, 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 this one sounds like a Paul special. Well, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <sighs> I'm 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 going to say fake, but there's a part of me because of all the Snyder fanboys that got that long ass black and white thing released. So part of me wants to say real, but I'm going to stick with fake. It is real, and a, wow. look, look it up. It is the most Good pretentious Lord. piece of shit ever, and it costs $130. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, 
so yeah well wow, i actually got i actually caught you guys in a couple of those that's amazing quite I, a few yeah so i was surprised yeah. i honestly i honestly thought like i was like because there's a point where you start trying to write jokes and you're like they're none of these are funny but anyway i'm glad i got you guys in a couple of them so all right um so uh that's going to do it uh for the game and then also i got i got one more thing here where are we at let's, let's throw let's just do this it wasn't especially large but it felt hard extremely hard so here is the part that i, I um I've, I've thought about for a while and i'm just going to say it right now while i have you guys on and i want to thank you guys um you know what they always say when you get to 384 episodes of a podcast that's when you end it so this is going to be the last episode of the show um but i didn't want to tell you that guys because i didn't want us to go in being like all you know mopey and shit i just wanted to have fun i I've, you all have been wonderful uh friends and i can see you know and i wanted to have trevor on from um uh theater of war he couldn't make it i wanted to have nathaniel and rich on from at the devil's ball they couldn't make it um just one all you guys are friends and brothers uh you've been so helpful over the like the last six eight months uh but yeah uh just at this point uh things are going on we don't need to get into them right now but like yeah. just the show and the iteration i would not want to go forward with him. And it's, it, it sounds like I'm have like, I, it's like a money issue. Like I, you know, like I need to get paid more. I'm getting paid zero to do this. So it isn't like I'm getting, you know, it's not like I'm in a contract negotiation with myself. If so, I need to do better, but yeah, that that's where I'm at. So I just want to thank you guys. It, it's been, it's not like the show ever took off. Right. It's, it's not like this was ever the thing. Like I know I have members of my own family that never listened to one goddamn episode that I've done over like the seven years. Right. Um, I've had coworkers that say, what's a podcast and they turn around and then, then all, every suddenly they know every true crime podcast in the world. So whatever is what it is. I, I want to say yes. you, you thanking us. I'm thanking you, man, because you provided me with a lot, a lot of hours of entertainment with this podcast. And I know you like to tear yourself down, but I think that you're an incredible podcaster and, uh, this show will be missed. You won't. I talk to you literally every day. Yeah, I do, right. That's, that's what, like, that's so. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I like Terry and I like, you know, like he, you know, we're, we're going to keep on trucking and it's not like I'm not going to be available to like yep. babble into a microphone. You we know. still got a bunch more uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies. To oh yeah, it is, yeah. This so. isn't like I'm like <laughs> it isn't like I'm doing like the Incredible Hulk sad like like you know like thumb and like you know whatever. Dun, it's dun, just dun, dun. yeah. And who knows? Like I, there might be something else down the line, you know, for a, a, a different show. I don't know. But this one, you know, like it's went through some changes over time. I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's always been a blast. Never, like never had like every show, even then when it goes on like two hours or four hours or 18 hours or whatever, it's always been a lot of fun. And I, you know, I'm grateful for anybody who gave it an opportunity and yeah, I just want to thank everybody. You know, I thank you guys. So like Michael Goro, I want <clears throat> to, excuse me. I didn't mean to sound all gravelly there. I want to thank you for the hours of entertainment, but also allowing me to come on and just have fun with a buddy who likes to talk about movies and all sorts of stuff. And thank you for also coming on my show because that is commendable as well. But like, <laughs> it, it is community echo... service. I mean, I have had to talk to the judge a couple of times to get those hours long, but I do appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> no. I'll, I'll echo El Goro. The show will be missed, but like, I think like El Goro, we didn't do this to like get, a lot of numbers to get a lot of downloads. We did this because we like to just have fun and talk with friends. We want to get behind a microphone and just talk about stuff we love, which yeah. is movies, pop culture, whatever. 
and bottom line, I've en- I enjoyed those like three hour episodes you guys put out because I like talking for long periods of time. I mean, hell, we I just released a three hour episode talking about a blade in the dark and everything else that on Skewered Universe that we could think of because we derail like a son of a bitch. Yeah, that's I mean that's what podcasts are, right? So so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're not we're not the Joe Rogan type of Spotify stupid, and not to get on a rant, but that's not that's not what I grew up with podcasting, and I say that saying I grew up, but you know what you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Podcasting to me was like El Goro, but it was like the drunken zombie type stuff. These bunch of friends doing it in their own home, not getting paid, just having fun. It wasn't about monetization and, oh, we could release it on YouTube as a video and we can do this and we can do that. It was just friends talking about stuff, and that's what I love about podcasting. That's why I loved Invasion. I'm going to have a hard time deleting it off my phone when I get through all the episodes because I'm very behind. So I've got a lot of time. Um, I mean, you could just be, I'm going to keep the feed up for a while. You know, it's going to be available. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It it really isn't. Hosting isn't the issue, you know, so it's not like it's going to bleed me dry or whatever. So it's fine. So yeah, that's it. Hey, hey, everyone's got their, got stuff that there's reasons doesn't need to be said. Yeah. You know, um, you had a, you had a hell of a run. (laughs) It was something anyway. uh, So, (laughs) so yeah. And Terry, you know, you and I will, we'll be all, you know, doing our thing too. So, but of course, Terry, you know, know, you're a brother, uh, I love you. And just hearing you get absolutely mad at this last game just brought so much joy into my heart. Right. So I appreciate it so much. Well, I, I, I love to win. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry that didn't happen tonight, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course we're not kept, but I, I wanted to defeat my enemies. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, it's, there's not much more I can say about okay. like what you guys have had as a podcast. I am so much, more grateful for every word I have with the people I've met because like it, this will go on forever. Honestly, well, I have enough know. business meeting, cards meeting slash magnets that have meeting. no use anymore. Yes, it will go on forever. So yes, I have, <laughs> I have t-shirts. I have, a, yeah, I have plenty of things that will show that like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So. It is a, it is a, I am forever grateful to invasion mm-hmm. because, um, I'm here. Like yeah. I'm a podcaster now. Yeah. And, I'm, uh, I'm the head vampire. I just, but yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just figured no need to, 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 to dwell on it. it. You know, it was a lot of fun and thank you guys for coming on. And that's why I also thought Tomorrowland was kind of like the, like as much as that film was weird, it's just that it's been like one of the, the longest running jokes on the show figured. Well, how many, how, how many copies do you have? Uh, well, at this point, uh, at this point um, <laughs> mm, technically one, but I won't say how that happened. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought with all those black Friday sales, you would have had at least 30, 40 copies. Yeah. I mean, uh, you think, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's all right. Look at it. Thing. Yeah. So that's, that's going to do it for, for the show, for invasion, for everything. So yeah, thank you everybody. And yeah, that's it. Uh, this has been invasion of the podcast.
just in 